Facts with Adam Curry for April 27th, 2020. This is episode number 34. On lockdown, Mo, how are you? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, is things it? have been crazy. Yeah. Uh, this week, it's been a crazy week. I'm just glad to be here, um, actually here uh, with you to have this conversation because it's just the little, you know, uh, little place of joy well, <laughs> in the crazy world. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say that I think outside of Tina, the keeper, you're the only guy I talk to for more than three minutes. And certainly live. <laughs> I've only talked to two people in the past two months. <laughs> My wife <Right>. and Mo. <laughs> exactly. Hey, but you're still working, right? You're are, Now you are essential personnel. Is that the idea? Yes, I am still working, working from home, but mm-hmm. you're saying working nonetheless. And I find myself actually working more. <laughs> uh, yes. The day, the day never ends. It's mission creep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is one of the things I've been looking at, man. It's like all all businesses are going to see the productivity, and I'm sure they're measuring it. And Silicon Valley's ramping up. They want everybody to use their new tools and work it. I mean, we have a, even a hit for this. We have a hit tool for this time, which was Zoom video. Zoom is so large that my mom suggested that we use it. So that Holy just lets crap. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better call the newspaper. <laughs> right. Let them like, know what's going on. <laughs> we were on a group call and she was like, oh, why don't we just use that Zoom thing and then we can all see each other. Uh, and I was like, did you use right, it? How'd it work out? Oh, we well, we didn't use it this time, but next time she said definitely wanted to use it. And nice. that's, I think that's a good segue. Yes. And uh, so while we're here for, so if you want to, Sp- one, one second, can, just for, to calm myself, <laughs> can I get a, what more do you want from me and a woosa, please, sir? Of, of course, of course, at your beck and call. <laughs> what more do you want from me? Woosa. 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 All right. You feel better now? Oh, man, I feel so much better. Okay. Uh, so... So can we just go ahead and spin that wheel? Then? Let's spin it, baby. Let's see what's going on. What's the topic for today of Mo Facts with Adam Curry? It is episode number 34. Where it stops, only one person knows. His name is the Mo's. And the topic for today is... Do it for your big mama. Do it, <laughs> Do it for, for your pop-pop. Pop. <laughs> yes, my favorite guy on stage. Uh, Jerome Adams, our very own yeah. Surgeon General. <laughs> Do it for your pop-pop. And he was met with so much pushback from this statement. Was he real? No, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was he really now? I see. Of course, I didn't get any of this. From the political. Ah, okay. Political class. Yes. All right. The boule class. So who was pushing Uh, back? Do you have examples? I'm very excited about this because I I, I didn't hear any of it. I have examples. Oh, we're going to break down who Big Mama is. And, and uh, pop, how pop. Big, <laughs> Now, just Big Mama. Just, okay. just Big Mama just today. Big Mama because, today. All right. Because we know of the pr- previous 30, what, three conversations that we had, the mother is the central figure in the black community. Yes, sir. So we have to really uh, get down into the weeds with this and nice. how we, it's going to be a, a wild ride. But let's listen to um, Michael Adams' uh, whole statement. I mean, excuse me, Jerome, Ad- Jerome Michael Adams' whole statement in context. This is a little long clip, but I want to make sure we get his full statement of what he said when he made this 
infamous Big Mama statement. Yeah, this is uh, the Surgeon General of the United States uh, during one of the Corona uh, press briefings. Uh, yeah, explaining uh, what you need to do. But at the president's direction, yesterday I met with 2,000 uh, Hispanic leaders from uh, their communities, and today the vice president led a phone call that I was on with hundreds of African-American leaders, including the Reverend Jesse Jackson, including Derek <laughs> Johnson of the NAACP, including the National Medical Association and the Black Nurses Association, to talk about some of the alarming trends we're observing regarding the impact of COVID-19 on communities of color. Well, it's alarming, but it's not surprising that people of color have a greater burden of chronic health conditions. African-Americans and Native Americans, <clears throat> excuse me, develop high blood pressure at much younger ages. It's less likely to be under control and does greater harm to their organs. The chronic burden of medical ills is likely to make people of color, especially, less resilient to the ravages of COVID-19, and is possibly, in fact, likely uh, that the burden of social ills is also contributing. But let me be crystal clear. We do not think people of color are biologically or genetically predisposed to get COVID-19. There is nothing inherently wrong with you. But they are socially predisposed to coronavirus exposure <laughs> and to have a higher incidence Damn. of the very diseases that put you at risk for severe complications of coronavirus. Avoid alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. And call your friends and family. Check in on your mother. She wants to hear from you right now. And speaking of mothers, we need you to do this if not for yourself, then for your abuela. Do it for your granddaddy. Do it for your big mama. Do it for your pop pop. <laughs> Infamous. <laughs> I'd like a couple, couple comments about this. First of all, I love how he, like Pence, the vice president always starts off with, at the president's direction. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I would like people to start saying, at the podfather's direction. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was, in, what was in there was a possible predisposition, um, although there's nothing, quote, wrong with you. That was interesting. I know there was a lot of um, certainly boule and black political class falling over, all over the... Uh, um, uh, don't do d drink drugs and alcohol and hearing it again in context you know he's just saying that in general he'd say it to everybody but of course that was taken out of context by some to right. uh you know to, to well, what are you saying black people shouldn't drink um and what was that well anyway so that's what i heard now i'm fascinated by well, this okay. guy I, I like i like him a lot he's he's an on and gone type guy well let's just look into him for a minute uh he is uh, before coming becoming Surgeon General, he served as the Indiana State Health Commissioner. Mm -hmm. So there's your Mike Pence tie. Ah, uh, yeah, it's the milieu. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> it makes right, total right. sense. So, right. I'm, just, I'm glad you picked Good up on one. that. And, Good one. And as you said, he addressed that black people, due to racial composition, is not more susceptible susceptible to. Uh, catching the Rona, mm -hmm. but it's due to pre-existing conditions, which pre-existing conditions is a left-wing uh, talking point. No kidding. So it's, it's, it's fascinating what we heard here. To, I, when I heard him say drugs and alcohol, I knew he was going to get killed for that. Yeah. Uh, and then three, when he said do it for Big Mama. Yeah. Now, I want to point out something. Donald Trump is the only person that can make a black surgeon general named Jerome saying do it for Big Mama a bad thing. 
<laughs> just by Let's just, have, just by who's at the what he what he said I did it at the um, at, at the direction of the president and the when he just said by that, those words that was it that was it that, that was, was done. it because if it was a black surgeon general under Obama that said do it for Big Mama everybody would have been, been seen. everybody would have been dancing in the streets right. So Gosh. I just want people to pay attention <clears throat> to that point. Thank you. That's now, a, that's an excellent point. That is, but but it's also is that just the media et le boulet, or is it also Black America? Do they feel the same way? Did, did Donald Trump ruin it for them too? No. Here's the thing. Like I always say, the people in the eighty percent are the quiet masses. What you're hearing is the boulet pushback. One because you could just. We saw it with the the don't inject disinfectants. I mean, come on. Right, I mean, right, like, right, right, you can right. say anything and take it out of context. This was an opportunity to make it racial. Yeah, uh, a great opportunity for money raising uh, operations. You know, to say, oh, black people, the, the corona is killing black folks, which is, I mean, something <laughs> is killing. We're saying black folks, but is it the disease? And then we got to look at how things are being counted. Oh, that's a good uh, point. Is it? Because this is my main question on the count, because this matters. Are you saying these people were killed by complications due to Corona or were they uh, did they die and they tested positive for Corona? (laughs) This is is a question. We've this is a big question around the world. Right. But the way I'm going to put my boule hat on. If I'm going to spin this thing, it's like, oh, yeah, we can raise, you know, who do, who do you have on the line? Jesse Jackson. Right. NAACP. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have a great, it's a great money grab. If you, and just <laughs> throwing the big mama thing in there, it was just <laughs> made it so beautiful. I, 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 can, I just, can I just play one thing for you? Because I, I don't know if you had this clip or not, but in March, <laughs> just before everything started, I think the last Saturday Night Live, Chris Red on the show said uh, and he did a weekend update he yelled in that and i'll play the clip it's only nine seconds you can hear it he said black okay. people can't get the coronavirus it's true it's true listen it's just the proof hop on we good we good that's right everyone black people can't get the coronavirus and i remember hearing that going well either the guy's the smartest guy in the room or the dumbest guy in the room and we talked about this even on not the last oh, show couple shows topic, ago. Yeah, a couple shows couple ago. shows ago. We talked about it because of the numbers coming out of Africa. Mm-hmm. We it, it didn't make any sense that you had this. Uh, well, well, you have a region that's usually bombarded by these kind of things, and you have very low numbers. But I think that's explainable now because we know how the anti-malarial yeah, the malaria, drugs, yeah, anti, they're they're all jacked up on anti-malarials all throughout right. Africa. So yeah. you know that's I think that yeah. explains. But I if agree. you're just looking at the numbers, looking at the uh, the models, right. uh, <laughs> please have a look at those. You, you could definitely spin it to say black people couldn't get it, but when it came to America, you don't have the anti-malarial right. sat, uh, saturation. So we've seen, and you have the pre-existing conditions which we really have to talk about yes all right so um jerome adams got pushed back from one miss yamika alcindor yamish i think it's yamish no, excuse me yamish excuse me yamish yes I, I i i'm very familiar with yamish 
she replaced Gwen Eiffel, and mm-hmm. uh, Gwen Eiffel worked at PC. She, she died a few years ago. Gwen Eiffel, uh, Dvorak and I would always make fun of her because she wrote this book uh, about Obama, which we appropriately called it was a hagiography. Hey it was just, you know, one big slopping wet kiss. Um, but n- now she's gone. She's been replaced by Yamish. And mm-hmm. Yamish is so horrible. And now we realize how good Gwen Eiffel was. And she she got a stamp. I'm so happy she got a stamp, even though she's posthumously. So, yeah, Yamish, um, who I think is often uh, mistaken for African-American. Uh, she Both parents are she's from Haiti. Ha- she's Haitian. Yeah, she's yeah. Haitian-American. Haitian exactly. Right. So let's listen to her push back against um, Mr. Jerome Adams. I have a quick question for you. You you said that African Americans and Latinos should avoid alcohol, drugs, and tobacco. You also said do it for your umbrella, do it for Big Mama and Pop Pop. There are some people already on, and there are some people online that are already offended by that language and the idea that you're saying behaviors might um, be leading to these high death rates. Could you talk about whether or not people could you I guess have a response for people who might be offended by the language that you used? Well, I, I use that language because that's the language I've been meeting with the NAACP. Uh, with the National Medical Association, with others. Uh, I actually talked with uh, with Derek Johnson multiple times this week, the head of the NAACP, and we need targeted outreach to the African-American community, and I use the language that is used in my family. I have a Puerto Rican brother-in-law. I call my granddaddy, granddaddy. I have relatives who call their their uh, their grandparents Big Mama. So that was not meant to be offensive. That's the language that we use and that I use. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, I, I loved it when he said that. By the way, I was like, "All right, now, now you're talking." Okay. No, because he he, he hit a uh, nerve. He by did saying, a big one. And, and, whether you just want to jolt people because Big Mama is a you know, a term that we use within our community. Uh, but what surprises me is people don't have a problem with the whole movie franchise called Big Mama. That's and, and that's what I was going to going to mention to you because the the, the number one uh, thought I think for white people when they hear that is Big Mama's house. That's that's what you think of Big Mama, yeah. Big Mama's house. Who was that? Was well, that uh, was that was that, that was Martin? Oh, Martin. Martin, Martin, Martin Lawrence. Lawrence. Well, Martin Lawrence. and then you could look at uh, uh, what was it? Norbit kind of had a big mama. It's this, this right, is fat, right, heavy right. set black woman, right, right, uh, right. Trope or mean? Could you used, still make? Uh, could you still make a movie like that in today's environment? Could you? Could you say, hey, guess what, everybody? We're doing uh, Big Mama's House Five. They just made one not too long ago, and really? then what you I, I, let me let me just say one thing: Tyler Perry has made almost a billion dollars <laughs> off of the big. I mean, that's who Medea is, right? Right. Now right. it's this large black woman, <laughs> yes, uh, that plays the you know the elder role. But I mean, just saying. But you you hear no pushback against that. But when this guy comes out because he's Trump's guy, and let's be honest here. When they see him, he's one of Trump's African Americans, my African Americans. To- yeah, he's a token. Yes, right. That <laughs> rolls out there. Now they just want to. And if you notice, she she didn't say. I know people online. When what? No, when did news? <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. did journalists start saying referring to people online or saying who? What people? <laughs> well, Twitter done. That's it. Twitter is saying but, that's what it is. 
well, let's revisit some things that we've talked about in previous shows. We said the new Al Sharptons, the new Jesse Jacksons are where? Online. Online, you bet. So when you want to stir up some mess, you do it you online. Whoever, yeah, whoever has the the hands on the reins of the, you know, of the council machine, you give them a tap and then they get activate their online soldiers, get the trending going and then yep. you can pick it up and bring it back into the news cycle. But I was saying it's self-generating. And that's we're the see machine. This. Yeah, that's exactly how the machine works. Right. So let's go ahead and go to part two of the uh, uh, Yamish. Do you recommend that all Americans avoid tobacco, alcohol, and, and drug use at Absol- this time? Absolutely. I, it's especially important for people who are at risk and with comorbidities, but yes, all Americans. So thank you, and I will clarify that. All Americans need to avoid these substances at all times. I put out a smoking cessation report in January. I put out a advisory against youth and pregnant women using marijuana last year, and that was not directed towards any one race. That's everybody needs to do everything they can to be as healthy as possible at this critical time. Okay. Did you hear how ridiculous that question was that she asked him? She asked a surgeon general. So do you advise all people not to smoke and drink? Uh, I think that's that's like 30, 40 percent of his job is like, don't use uh, hazardous. Yeah, he's on every pack. He's on his name is on every pack of cigarettes and every pack of beer. It's like, yeah, I don't know. But but that is what the. And, and you know the president has stopped doing them now, but that's what that's what those briefings have become. It's just what can we do to trip up whoever's on stage, except you know maybe not for Dr. Fauci, but I think Dr. Burks is now uh, now they're going to go after her. It's like if you're if you're with the pre- if you're with Trump, not the president. If you're with Trump for any amount of time, you're tainted to these people, and you you can't be right. There must be something wrong with you. And as I highlighted in the beginning of the show. We're going to dive into who Big Mama is. No, right. So one expert on Big Mama is Bernie Mac. And those swollen ass ankles. And she had a wig on me, cocked to the side. And she slid her feet when she walked and shit. And she hung. That's what I miss. Big Mama. My big mama used to come to school. She would never would tell you when she's going to come. Just pop the fuck up. And all of a sudden, somebody walked in the door, and everybody be whispering, Who mama that? Who mama that is? Who mama that is? You can always tell who mama was, because they be playing like they doing some work. <laughs> oh, that's your motherfucking mama now. <laughs> so... The Big Mama meme, the name, goes hand-in-hand with our community. I mean, that's just something that we call, and I don't see what the problem is. And it only became a problem because who he works for. Now, and that, that's, that's, from a uh, from a white a white American male perspective, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard the, the Big Mama jokes. Um, I think Eddie Murphy probably introduced me in just timing, you know, very young age, like, I don't know, 17, 18, uh, to a lot of uh, the... the black culture and even though no white guy i know has uh has a big mama like that we get exactly what he's saying and we're cracking up it's it's really interesting because you know how many people have actually met big mama not many white people right so but i'm just saying it's it's interesting that i completely feel the humor in it without really having the experience and it's a weird phenomenon because 
honestly, she's the most exalted person in our community. Yeah, I'll say. But we have to go back and look. Let's look at it from the point of the left and how if they really wanted to mechanize this thing, they could have, but they didn't uh, because the big mama kind of feeds off of the mammy oh yeah well, of course if a, if a white person said it it would be racist obviously obviously yeah hello but it's, at the same Jemima. time we use yeah we use this term as the most exalted like you know because as i say all the time in our community for the most part it's a matriarchy mm-hmm. and in the highest in the matriarchy the highest person you can be is the grandmother mm. And that's who Big Mama, the, the meme is. So let's go back and revisit the stereotypes used for uh for Mammy. The Mammy, the Mammy goes back to um, slavery, right? So in order for slave owners to justify slavery, they had to create this Mammy trope, and the Mammy is this loyal, ride or die mother, you know, nurturing figure who is all enduring, right? She puts up with everybody's BS. She She's loyal to everyone and she does everything in service to everyone. So the problem with this is that, um, I mean, it's a stereotype. <laughs> That's the number one problem, right? Because not every person is like that. And also, it, it it's, it's a, one of the reasons why people have a problem with black feminism because they've been socialized to believe that black women are here on this earth to be in service to others. Mm. Oh. Okay. Now, follow where I'm going here. By that description, politically, that's how the Democrats have looked at black women. Wow. Gotcha. You got to save us. (laughs) You're the one, you know, you're the one that can fix everything. That's right. Take us in your arms. Right. And I'm going to say this. Because, and I, I got some, I, I'm going to revisit this at some point later in another show. But the whole talk about the VP, you got to have a black woman, you, you know, and, and, and mm, a, Biden all, VP. almost yes, black woman yeah, is yeah, not yeah. going to work. Yeah, yeah. They're going to need a <laughs> Stacey Abrams type black woman. Well, you know, I heard again, I heard again that it, it looks like uh, Michelle O. She, she still might be, uh, I mean, it's maybe it's just people throwing stuff against the wall because they want it so desperately, but her name's floating again. I think that's the news trying to force her, smoke her out and <laughs> yeah. make her run. Yeah. She has no reason or purpose to run. The reason why I'm saying that is she's in the best position you can be. Yeah. Of having political power without having without the having to do the job responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. So why would she? It would be asinine for her to be the vice president. But I'm when you listen to that definition, that's all you heard from the left or the Democrats to right. say, "Oh yes, we, black women, we need you to save us." But then they come out and criticize a guy for saying "big, Big Mama." mama. In oh, a, I yeah. think in a in a he said it in an honest way. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it didn't it didn't smack because you know I got my pander pander or meter, uh, yeah, and it didn't register that way. Uh, I think he was hitting all the you know the terms in that way, but I don't think he was pandering particularly to black people. It, it, it just didn't ring to me. I think he was trying to be more authentic 
and so he can get his card checked. <laughs> more than to pander, yeah. it was more of more of acceptance thing. So, and you know, to me, I, I think for most people, uh, it would it, it's the same as if someone says "axe." It's like Big Mama. Okay, I don't. Know. It, it just passes over. I get you. I know what you're talking about. I thought it was. Right. I thought Pop Pop was funnier. Because I, I hadn't heard that term. So I was like, pop, pop, that's good. But we'll stick with Big Mom. Yeah, because they, this is a way for them to take him down. And I want to yeah. give another example in film how Big Mama has been represented. This is my family. Y'all try my fish cakes? My plate's full. As you can see, we really had some good times. Rare, this is my sister's baby. Oh, no, no. This is a bliss. But we've had some bad times, too. I was fired for my job today. You don't want to tell a woman that a black woman, especially a black woman, you ain't got a J-O-B. Sometimes it seems like no one's ever going to speak to each other again. Then Big Mama comes to the rescue. She knows exactly what to do to bring us all back home. Soul food cooking is about cooking from the heart. Fox 2000 Pictures present Vanessa L. Williams, Vivica A. Fox, Neil Long, Michael Beach, Mackay Pfeiffer, and Brandon Hammond in a story about the people who make us strong and the recipe. I just want to say thank you for always supporting me. You my sister girl. That makes us a family. One finger don't make no impact, but you ball up all them fingers into a fist and you can strike a mighty blow. This family got to be that fist. Soul food. <laughs> that was a long time ago. 1997. Uh, uh, wasn't that Vanessa Williams? Wasn't the last time we ever saw Vanessa Williams uh, do anything? Yeah, that was Vanessa Williams. And Boys the Men, one of their biggest songs, was dedicated to Big Mama. Oh, yeah. Crap, I've forgotten all about that. Right, they they played a clip of it in, in in the trailer itself, uh. But this goes to show you about the stereotype of Big Mama. You know, she's cooking soul food, all this unhealthy food for for her family <laughs> to bring them together. That's why she's so big, Mo. <laughs> or you would think, oh. Big Mama's getting a bad rap, but we got <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, but for uh, satire purpose, Boondocks, one of the shows that we highlight on on this podcast, uh, they always take media this target towards black people and kind of express what's really being portrayed. Elijah Mohammed's How to Eat to Live. I knew it. Just what joy do you get out of trying to crush all of my dreams, Huey? Do you know how long I wanted to own my own restaurant? Three weeks at Sunday dinner. That was the first time you mentioned it. And you only started doing the stupid Sunday dinner thing because you saw soul food on cable. (laughs) We're going to pause this for the benefit of all y'all who never saw soul food. Soul Food is a movie about a big, humongous black grandmother, aptly named Big Mama. Big Mama demonstrates her love by feeding herself and her offspring enormous amounts of pig lard. Then, get this, Big Mama's arteries are so clogged, they gotta amputate her arms. (laughs) It was her leg! Right, okay, whatever, leg. Then, she dies of a heart attack. Or another stroke, or something. God called her home. 
guys. They get together for a Sunday dinner and eat the same food that just killed Big Mom. The same food. They didn't learn a lesson. Nobody went on a diet, and that's the end of the movie. Sunday dinners was my idea. They got that for me. <laughs> that was the movie. That's exactly how I remember it. <laughs> now you see how they tried to portray it, but how it was received, and that's right. why I love to use the boondocks sometimes to express wait y'all are promoting unhealthy eating <laughs> y'all are promoting the underlying uh issue causes that made corona uh hit the black community so hard but notice nobody really talks about this nobody talks about the obesity in our community is which is a, a real thing no high the, blood pressure which the, is a real thing. well the high diabetes the, the high blood pressure has been uh meant i think i've asked you about this is it like uh-huh. that is it true that black men are more susceptible to high blood pressure and why is it just because of the the food well it's food you got vitamin d plays a role in that mm-hmm. you have stress you have being propagandized <laughs> thank you that's, that's all i wanted to hear mo i just wanted to make sure it was mental stress that's doing it all right good and that's why i'll really unpack the things and try to deconstruct i hope actually deconstruct and take these weapons that are formed against us and not make them prosper right. to me to use a bi- biblical term you know but these they're casting spells on us. I mean, you heard it in the these movies that they show when um, well, they're telling here later on. They're telling you what you are, where you come from, and how you're supposed to be. That that that's casting spells. By the way, I think that Jerome Adams, if if to criticize him, uh, that it was lame that that uh, only did this statement come out from him after uh numbers were published and people are going like holy crap now maybe those numbers literally just came out but for sure we knew before the uh the racial demographic breakdown i think it was illinois that that first published that that's why that became a thing uh it was well known that uh diabetes and other underlying as they call it comorbidities were uh made people susceptible to risk the time to do it would have been then Instead of after the numbers come out, but that's that's nitpicking over technicalities. But I mean, no, you could that, know this. He, everyone could have said, "Oh shit, who do we have in in all of our com- communities across the country who are more susceptible?" But that would have been racist. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh. Meeting adjourned. Everybody, we're not going to do it. All right. That that would be so that, right too, man. No, you're right. It would it would have been wrong no matter what. The victimization mentality is what is keeps crazy. us from having good information pushed towards us, but because you can't say that, even though it's true, you can't say that. Just like I said, um, that's fucked up. Shows ago that the racial narrative has just has been just as harmful as the actual action of racism, and people that might upset a lot of people, but it's true because. You asked about high blood pressure. Yeah. If somebody's telling you you're a victim, you're a slave, you're a victim, you're a slave. Um, yeah. And do you have the people that's supposed to be on your side say, yeah, be a victim, be this. And then, you know, we could politicize it and, you know, gain capital off of it. <laughs> but nobody wants to tell you the truth of. Right. And nobody has a platform. Notice the Democrat Party doesn't have a platform of how to get black people healthier. 
You know, how, how to have your gym membership covered in, in your health insurance. This will help people, right? I don't I, mean, I don't think Republicans, Green Party, or Libertarians have it either. No, but what I'm saying is for you to get 90% of a group's vote, I well, think that should course. be and, and you see the 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 more the mortality rate, you see the uh life expectancy. I mean, I think well, but like, you but what, you nailed it, Mo. You, you nailed it for me. You nailed it. You you said exactly right that, and I'm sure there there may even have been a meeting, but it was certainly a self censoring process in someone's mind of saying, "Hey, should we uh, should we tell uh, people who may be susceptible to the comorbidities that uh, that are bad in this particular crisis?" Now that'll probably be singling them out. Will be look racist. Now I probably should leave it alone. And I'm not saying Jerome Adams, I'm not taking him off the hook because he was there to propagandize too. Yeah. What I'm saying, when he used the term Big Mama, I think that was not a slight against older black women. I think that was the making endear um No, I, to, I, and he I don't think he has a big mama. He says other families have that. And he even right. said his brother in law uh, is married into Puerto a, Rican. a Puerto Rican family. So yeah. you know, so he covered all the bases. Yeah, I think he I was just wish he hit, didn't just you know. speak like Mike Tyson. That's the only thing that's a little annoying. You <laughs> need to voice lessons. So we have ten facts you didn't know about soul food. Let's start by figuring out what the heck is soul food to begin with, since it can be hard to determine the difference between soul food and southern food. In the 1969 Soul Food Cookbook, Bob Jeffries summed it up pretty well by saying, while all soul food is southern food, not all southern food is soul food. So soul food is a niche from American southern cooking. Speaking of 1969, did you know that soul food didn't even exist before the 60s? With the rise of the civil rights and black nationalism movements, many African Americans wanted to establish their cultural legacy. So terms like soul music made way for terms like soul food to describe the way their ancestors have been cooking for generations. Now, if you think soul food came from a tradition of eating hog mogs and piles of fried chicken, then you better think again. <laughs> so soul food was manufactured. <laughs> and you know, you want to know what else was manufactured? Sure. Mammy. Oh. Mammy was manufactured. I, I, this is from the Wikipedia page. Uh, it says the. The mammy figure is rooted in the history of slavery in the United States. Enslaved African American women, enslaved African American women, were tasked with the duties of domestic workers in white American households. Let me go on down here. It says the historical account points to the identity of most female domestic servants as teenagers and young adults, not the grandmotherly type, such as mammy. Hmm. So, so even Mammy is a is a creation, a post slavery creation, made famous by um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and then you had the, the the Mammy figure in Gone with the Wind. Right, forgot about that. So these things are being manufactured by our favorite buddies in Hollyweird. Right, and then they just become fact. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> yeah, and we know how this goes. As an aside, um, when I was a young man, we're talking in the 90s, 
the place to go in New Orleans, which I was on business once, was Big Mama's Soul Food or Soul Kitchen, I think. Does this ring a bell? No, I'm I'm sure. I mean, you have these restaurants all over the country. And, and, and right. But this was and I don't think it exists anymore. I'm sure she's dead now. But it was it was one mm-hmm. of those shacks. And it was, you know, and it was you eat whatever's being made. There's no menu. You just come in and you eat it. And I remember I had to go to the airport and it was like, you got to eat there. You got to eat there. You got to eat there. As so I went there, ate there. Only white guy there, of course. And mm. uh, and I couldn't finish it. <laughs> and that was the insult. It's like I, I, I'm full, and I got to go to the airport. You didn't finish your meal, <laughs> and that's very disrespectful. And, yes, I, uh, I learned that and one. The New Orleans culture, oh yeah. well, Louisiana, because my dad warned me of that. He was like, "When you go, because we were visiting several different houses." Yeah, and he was like, "Don't load up." Yeah, because if you don't on, finish on it on the first house, yeah, <laughs> because if you go to the second, third house and don't eat or don't finish what they give you, that's like a sign of insult. So I just, I mean, that's just a little little fact. If you're traveling, <laughs> traveling to New <laughs> yes, Orleans, it's a little New Orleans fact for you, right? Uh, so where do we leave off at? We had the ten facts you didn't know. Yep. So we see that soul food, the term soul food is manufactured. Manufactured, of course. Uh, so. I found this, and this is what took, I just want to give a little inside baseball. We normally record on Monday, um, Saturdays, but when I, the show took this pivot, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I, I have to go. Well, hold on. Section. I got yeah. a, t- I got a text from Mo. Uh-huh. Hold on. Let me read the text. It was pretty funny. Cause when I got it, I was like, oh, that's Mo's on to something. Here's how, here's go again. Uh, he says, can we record late or Monday? I found myself in a rabbit hole. <laughs> That's it. I'm in a rabbit hole, man. So I knew enough. So this is the hole. This is the rabbit hole you went down. Join me. Culinary historian Michael Twitty has made a name for himself, touring the country to lecture about Southern food traditions. His new book, The Cooking Gene, is out today. It explores the history of cuisine in the American South by focusing on the people who laid the foundation for it, enslaved Africans. Twitty is currently on a teaching residency in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. Dexter Thomas joined him there for a meal. Black folks weren't allowed to have hogs. Weren't allowed to have cattle. But chickens, guinea fowl, which come from Africa, those were under the control of enslaved Africans. These chickens represent more than just a stereotype of black folks and fried chicken. It represents empowerment. Oh, wow. So we're going, we're going back and examining slavery with food? Sold food. Because oh. we just said soul, soul food was, food. A, mm-hmm. was a creation of the 60s. Now, if you want to say, oh, it's the tradition of the, you know, of the ADOS American soul food, no, because we couldn't own hogs, so you can't <laughs> say, yeah, there go your pig feet, there go your hog mogs, yeah. there go you know, <laughs> your hog what, your hog mogs, what? Hog mog, hog mog, I think that's how you pronounce it, I mean, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, there, there go all that soul food that you said that come from slavery, no, we couldn't eat own pigs, and then you couldn't own cattle. And that explains why chicken, chicken was really yeah. a status symbol. <laughs> chicken seem does seem to have some history. And I want to say this with my old my great grandparents, my grandparents, they didn't even eat a lot of meat. I think they would eat like I mean, I think them growing up, they probably eat ate meat like once a week mm-hmm. at the most. Mm-hmm. 
just because of fi- financial reasons, Cost, you know, sure. and and it, it was just it's a thing in the South that I don't see anywhere else. I mean, maybe I say I'll, I'll say a rule, not South. You used to go to certain black people houses of a certain of black people of a certain age houses and everybody had a garden. I don't care how much <laughs> land they had. Yeah. Everybody had a garden. Sure. And, and, there, were, you and, grew and, they were, and they were proud of it. Right. You grew corn, tomatoes, collard greens, mustard greens, turnip greens, uh, all the things that vegans rave about now. <laughs> An- then, another thing they stole from the black man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying so this. Uh, well, that's actually well. That's really interesting. Hold on a sec now, mm-hmm. because it seems if you're if you're uh, if the cultural history is chicken and uh, greens that you're uh, growing yourself, that's actually pretty damn healthy. And that's why you couldn't kill them. <laughs> and so, I guess the change came with the. Uh, when everyone moved on up, and then we started to eat shit. And literally, it's it's amazing that you use that term moving on up. Mm-hmm. When people started to leave the country in the Great Migration, the three waves of the Great Migration right. going to the city, right to the north, you don't have places to have gardens. You know, you're only allowed to what food is brought into, and we're seeing this now with the food flow and control. That's right. Imagine that when you live in an isolated communities where you can't live out and you're segregated, you're at the will of what they bring you to eat. What? What? (laughs) Yeah. And and right now it's all off brand. That's what I'm seeing. Right. So (laughs) I mean, if you think if racism really does exist, and we do say that on the show. The black people are probably going to get the the poorest of the poor food mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you when you lived in rural and was agricultural based, it was the best had, food ever. Exactly. Wow. So all this is all this is narrative. <laughs> the soul food is narrative. The the big mama, the actual big mama who we this is a new phenomenon big mama. The, we're talking about size, right? Now the grandmother role and grandma—that's been around. Itself. That's been around forever, of course, forever. And also in 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 white families, there's also a very strong strong. And when I say white white supremacy, look at the Church of England. Look who's real, mm-hmm. or look at the uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, and by the way, the Queen is the head of the Church of England, and it is the grandmother who is running the show. The problem or the difference, I would say, with uh, in the United States, typical Anglo-Saxon Protestant white grandmother, you're just as afraid of her as you are of Big mm-hmm. Mama, except the white grandmother doesn't hug you. She shoots you in the head. That's the difference. Because <laughs> she, she's running the empire. You know, she's running the financial empire and she's the one that's going to kill you, shoot you in the back. And just let's take it one more step further. If you're, if I always say things start in the black community and they work, they were out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you say the elite is really a matriarchy, boom. If you want to run a program, you were running in the black community first. You see how, see it, how works, it works. And, it's like, and the, there I, you go. Yeah, they've been trying to run this uh, this subroutine for a while. Yeah. Gosh. And we're gonna get. To, it's, 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 this is gonna be a. He- I like it. No, I'm 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 strapped in. Let's get back to. Uh, 
Mr. Twitty, I think his name is, and a feast of Afri- African-American culinary contributions won. This is the kind of garden that an enslaved person would have. Imagine this is not in a, a big period garden space. Yeah. Imagine that this is a space where this is behind your cabin or beside your This cabin. is your little plot. This is your little plot in one place. And it's, you know, designed to be as fertile and as self-sustaining as possible. If you're working in a tobacco field, sun to sun, the only time you can cultivate this garden is early dawn, twilight, and at night. The other thing that's noticeable here, of course, is these aren't like nice, neat rows. No, 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 no. Our ancestors would have won every single environmental award. I mean, they were organic, they were local, they were sustainable, uh, they practiced permaculture, they composted. Those are all modern labels, but they're already doing that here. It's an issue of people who are in exile adapting, adapting to where they are and figuring out how to make it work. And where does this show air? What is what is the name of it again? Well, they had I got clips from two different places on this guy. One was uh, on Vice. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I found out about him. But you know they sensationalized a lot of it, and it was like really visual based. Mm-hmm. So I continued to look, and this I found this second set of clips I'm playing now um, from PBS. Okay. And you see this, that's the actual title of the video. If people want to check it out, it's a feast of African-American culinary contributions. And he even did a TED talk. But in this uh, piece they did on him on PBS, they did a wonderful job. And as you heard him say, we had gardens wherever we could have them. Because in that time, if you ate what you grew, I mean, we used to know how to can. I mean, a lot of this stuff I know because luckily... I say this. I was one of the most luckiest black people alive. The reason why I say that is I have grandfathers going back on both sides, made three, four generations, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up on the hills of my father's father. When my dad was at work. I was with my grandfather in the guard. That's why I know these things. Yeah. Every year, once a year, the guy would come till up, break up the soil, and then we'll be out there planting. And he had a peach tree, and we eat peaches. I'm not not the doctor. I'm just saying that I saw this firsthand. This is not secondhand information I'm getting for anybody. I've heard my grandparents and even my father say, "I need some vegetables." Like when they come to visit, you know, when you're eating out and that kind of stuff, they they'll tell you, "I, I need some vegetables." You know, uh. It was called what you call a garden plate, which is like cucumbers and tomatoes right. and cream corn. But I'm just saying. So to, to how? But that's a, but that, if I if I can just interject for a second because mm-hmm. I um my experience very similar and it, what triggered it was you said peaches because I'd be hanging out with my grandfather and he we he'd go and he'd show me the peaches and put them in a brown paper bag and store them in the cellar and then we go to Hankers to get some Hankers farm to get Hankers corn it's also mm-hmm. a lot of that has changed due to you know obvious industrialization food processing uh, just in time delivery so a lot of that is gone for everybody um but you probably got more of an education on the actual food part than i did right because this is a man, he was, uh, he'd have been 99, I think, this year. If you're still, I think he passed away at 94, 95. Uh-huh. You, from his era, you ate what you grew. That's right. You know, 
I think that's lost now. But a reason why I'm saying that is this new phenomenon of being overweight and out of shape and high blood pressure comes from stress. So you really can't control that. But they were out in the sun. You didn't have vitamin D deficiencies, which Mm -hmm. black, which hammers black people so much that nobody talks about. This is the silent epidemic in itself, because if you live so far north uh, in this country alone, you're not going to get the proper amount of sunlight all year. Yeah, you got to take vitamin D3. Everyone has to, I think. Right, but I think we need it even more because of the composition, you know, with melanin, you mm-hmm. factor all that in. Mm-hmm. But we, yeah, uh, when you start looking at high blood pressure, vitamin D. But so we come from people that were outside in the sun, eating healthy foods. That's why you couldn't break them. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and now you have people stuck in the house. Now we got you. Time. We gave you pizza and burgers, mofo. <laughs> we got they you figured. now. We beat you down now. You are what you eat. That's right, brother. And then you factor in the abuse of animals and all that stuff. I mean, you traumatization, yeah. you pass that along through the food. I, I, I digress, but... Yeah, please, you're, you're depressing the shit out of me now. No, but I want to show... <laughs> <laughs> I want to show... Now we're talking about Big Mama. How did she become Big Mama? We, we had to really investigate it, and it's not by following tradition. So let's get in. I think we stopped at two. Yeah. Uh, let's get into three. Actually, I think this is two. We're going to play two. Yeah, okay, excuse me. Yes, the two. I was always um, intrigued by this notion of the black autobiography. I mean, the kind of writing that, you know, my Angelo or James Baldwin did. Mm-hmm. You know, how I got over. Yeah. Um, how I um, came to be this person. That we have passions that last our whole lives and that we are extremely engaged in our own history and culture yeah, but um, you didn't start out that way no, even by your own right, description right description. i didn't i didn't wasn't interested in soul food i was i didn't even really like being black i think right. you wrote exactly right? so I why suddenly like, explore all that i wanted to reapproach the sort of narrative of self-critique and self-hatred but also letting people know that the food was my way in um the stories i got a sense of pride of the people who i came from my own family and I felt like I wanted to put the microscope on myself. And I wanted other people to not be afraid to, to also follow the blueprint and sort of really own every aspect of their identity. It's an interesting project these guys doing. It, it, it is. And I think I'm going to go check him out. It's right down in Williamsburg, Virginia. I hope he's still there, but I think I might take the kids down there and, and check him out. You mean uh, Colonial Williamsburg? Yes, Colonial. <laughs> I've never had a reason to go before now. <laughs> Colonial Williamsburg, yes. Uh, but as he said in him himself, he hated being black, and that's the narrative black. Yeah. That's not. But when he realized who he really was and where he came from, he found it to be fascinating. That's why we have to tear down these narratives and really get back to what is factual and truth, what is really truth. Our yeah. I mean, yes, exactly. So that's why I played that clip. I just wanted to catch, capture that one piece and just to capture his passion for what he's really doing. It really had to change on him, but I guess we can go into number three. Now, a lot of people are the argument. Well, what is American food? And for some people, they'll blurt out fast food. For some people, they'll blurt out. It's food from all over the world. Um, and then very rarely it's someone will talk about, the indigenous as well as the naturalized foods and traditions. And so I want people to sort of include us in that conversation. And know that we've always been a part of it. 
We've always been a part of the narrative of creating American food and always will be. Yeah, we, that's also part of the agency factor. That you own your emotions, you own your facts, you own your opinions, and you also understand how we got here and how you got here. And we can have that conversation over a meal. <laughs> cool. I want to point out one thing he said, that if you ask people now what's American food, they would say fast food. Sadly. A lot of people would have rolled their eyes two, three months ago if you said that. But notice what stayed open and what closed. Yeah. <laughs> Who, yeah. Who's essential and who's not essential? That's right. Fast food is feeding this country. Yeah. It really is. I mean, you close the formal markets, but you leave McDonald's open. Where, where are we getting our nutrition from? And and it heavily affects, you know, uh, uh, the so-called, so uh, quote-unquote, black community. And you don't have to take my word for it. Let's listen to Van Jones on the, on the coronavirus. Why is this virus killing black people way worse than anybody else? Because we have hypertension worse than anybody else, obesity, asthma, uh, uh, all those issues. Diabetes. Diabetes worse than anybody else. Also, you have the shittiest Skype connection, Van, besides all that other stuff. Why is that? Because the epidemic of racism that's been going on for 400 years, which means that we what? live in communities where we have the least access to good health care, the least access to good food. When you look at us, uh, from, uh, you know, not having the, the great doctors, the best health care. In fact, even when we get a doctor, sometimes the doctor looks at us differently than they would look at a white person with the same symptoms, the same complaints. and doesn't give us the medication, doesn't take our pain seriously. Hmm. Then it's an epidemic. Of, uh, of, of COVID jumping on an epidemic of high blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera, jumping on the epidemic of racism. And that's why we're having all these problems and issues. We're dying of the virus at the age of, of 40 and 50, not 70, not 80, 50s, 40s, 30s. Why? Because high blood pressure, especially if they never tell us it the right way, Charlemagne, they always say comorbidities. Well, you know, I had an aunt tell me, well, my doctor never told me I have a comorbidity. Well, see, I said, well, did they say you have sugar? You know, that's what she calls diabetes. Yeah. Do they, they say you have pressure? Because she calls high blood pressure pressure. You know, the old folk. I said, well, if you have sugar and you have pressure, that's a comorbidity. Well, he never told me that. I said, that, don't listen to the news. Listen to me. Well, isn't that exactly what Jerome Adams did? Exactly. He just did it himself, and nobody said you got sugar. Yeah, you got pressure. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think, what, what, but what I'm I, not knocking him from that. No, but what I think Van was saying is that uh, the way I I listened, I heard him say, "Well, comorbidity," and that mm -hmm. that equating to an underlying condition, maybe that wasn't explained properly. That's possible. The people just, I mean, I you can go out on the street and say, what's a comorbidity? And people may not give you the right answer at all. If you ask 100 of them, 90 will say dumb, something dumb. And I never heard this term before this. It, it was also, it was a, co, it was a, <laughs> it, it changed never. too. In the beginning, it was like comortality. Then it became comorbidity. Then it was just morbidity. No, it was mortality rate, morbidity, comorbidities. It was confusing. I, I, like I said, I've never that comorbidity. I've never before this situation. Never I've heard. Never, never heard never that heard term. Of it. 
Now so he, he said for he, him to say for your doctor go, you go to their doctor. And trust me, I got a lot of people in my family got sugar. I got a lot of people in my family got pressure. You know, <laughs> use Van Jones for, but he he said something else, Mo. The two things uh, actually. He said a lot. We got to go. Yeah, we got to. <laughs> okay, let me let me give you the things I caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, reversing backwards, the um, he said. Oh crap! I heard was, you say oh, the doctor. No, the said, doctor. That was about. Okay, yeah, he said okay. doctors don't look at us the same way. Is that true? That's that doesn't sound right. Let's table that one. Okay, I got, got some proof and, for that. All right, let's go back to the four hundred years. This is from four hundred years of oppression. Was that uh, correct? Because we just proved that, that it was uh, not true. Had some of the health. What, right, I'm, you're correct by pointing that out. That's true. By him saying that. Then how do you explain us being some of the healthiest eaters up until maybe the uh, industrial age? You know, I mean, yeah. Where's your four hundred years? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Four hundred years, years falls at? falls apart. Yeah, right. Because we were for the most part vegetarian. Because as the expert in the field, it, you, uh, that's all you were allowed to have. Right, where you're only allowed to eat chicken. Yeah, I mean, you're not killing the chicken every day or eating, you know, chicken three times a day. Nobody has that kind of. uh, Nobody had that kind of clout. Right, Uh, and you weren't allowed to have cattle. You weren't allowed to have pig. So you were basically to, uh, and there was no fast food. There's no junk food. So you were only allowed to eat um, vegetables. Whatever, yeah, whatever you could grow. Right, or what you could grow, or what you could kill. Mm-hmm. I mean, deer and that kind of other stuff, rabbits, you know, things of that nature, which is very lean meat. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to show you that when you start mixing the truth with a lie, <laughs> it gets real ugly pretty soon. That's yeah. what made you say, hmm, yeah. about the 400 years. I mean, no, about the doctor thing as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, what, what, what is that? Well, let's go this to um, Mr. P- doctor, excuse me, Peter. Atia on um, the obesity crisis. So why was it that just a few nights later as I stood in that same ER and determined that my diabetic patient did indeed need an amputation, why did I hold her in such bitter contempt? You see, unlike the woman the night before, this woman had type 2 diabetes. She was fat. And we all know that's from eating too much and not exercising enough, right? I mean, how hard can it be As I looked down at her in the bed, I thought to myself, if you just try caring even a little bit, you wouldn't be in this situation at this moment with some doctor you've never met about to amputate your foot. Why did I feel justified in judging her? I'd like to say I don't know, but I actually do. You see, in the hubris of my youth, I thought I had her all figured out. She ate too much. She got unlucky. She got diabetes. Case closed. Okay. There's your disdain that uh, Van Jones was speaking about when mm-hmm. doctors see patients, especially overweight patients. Ah, uh, okay. Not necessarily something has to do with color of skin, but of uh, o- obesity in this case. C- correct. Just the but condition. But you factor in, let's factor in some things where you might not have that personal connection due to shared race yeah because that was real you know i, I think maybe i, I want to go out on a limb here and i say I, I think maybe black doctors you see what black teachers i know for sure uh go the extra mile 
when they're dealing with someone of the same race because you can kind of empathize. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> the empathy is not there when, when you have a racial difference. And then when you have doctors who you typically healthy, they see an obese person, uh, which obesity is, is out of control in the black community. You can see this scenario playing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You see Big Mama. Just imagine Big Mama from the movie. I'm not saying well, all, in general, all of but this, all of from, this from Soul Food. I'm well, just saying from Soul Food, yeah, she I'm, goes in. Yeah, no, I hear you. She gets her leg cut off or arm or whatever it was. I think it was an arm. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. And the doc, no, no, what I'm saying. So put Big Mama in that hospital bed. The doctor comes in like, Jesus Christ, you're 280 pounds, lady. You know um, what do you expect? You, you know, yeah, right. What do you expect? I mean, so you get that. So it's self-fulfilling. It's it's, it, what Van was talking about is self-fulfilling, but it it's not necessarily a racial thing. It's not thinking about what happened or not even having. I mean, why would a doctor study four hundred years of the uh, of the African American to come up with these conclusions? Doctors should be listening to this damn podcast. Is what should be going on? And and politicians, because <laughs> yes. if you want to talk about an epidemic. Killing people in America, and that was the that was the irony that was just a, just so amazing. We're talking about epidemics that's killing black folks, and you want to give all the credit to Corona. There's a lot more when high blood pressure yeah. <laughs> and diabetes <laughs> and even mental health. There's a lot uh, yeah. has impacted us way further, and you understand like, oh yeah, it's due to this, it's due to those things. But Corona can maybe you say just disagree that Corona is the straw that's breaking the camel's back here. Yes. Yes. Don't you want to address the otherwise? Nah. <laughs> nah. 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 That's all right. And and to even double down, when you ever you bring up a person's uh size, specifically a Oh, a, you can't a, no, a, you, oh no no, we can't be doing this. We can't we can't be making fun of people anymore or even it's, commenting. It's, especially a uh, uh woman a uh, color, aka a colored woman. Um, you if you bring up their size, you get pushback, as we see with Lizzo responding to uh, Jillian Michaels. Well, Jillian Michaels had made some comments about Lizzo and about her appearance. Here's what she had to say originally. I love celebrities like Lizzo or Ashley Graham who are really preaching self-acceptance. I love her music. Yeah, 100%. I don't know anything about her. I'm sure she's a cool awesome chick. Yeah, and I love that they're putting images out there that we normally don't get to see of bodies that we don't get to see being celebrated. And um, why are we celebrating her body? Why does it matter? That's what I'm saying. Like, why aren't we celebrating her music? Because it isn't going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. Well, I want to ask you, I'm just being honest, like, I love her music, but there's never a moment where I'm like, and I'm so glad that she's uh, uh, overweight. Well, Jillian Michaels is a celebrity trainer, and she was on BuzzFeed News AM to DM, and those were her comments. I, um, Jillian Michaels worked for me back in the uh, the early pod show days. We had to deal with her. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, she's a you, she can. I'll just give you my impression. I don't know her incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Her whole life, from the moment she opens her eyes until she goes to bed, is all about training working out there's not a not a room for a single other thought in there at all and she told nothing but the truth here and the honest truth mm-hmm. uh and the uh, what, i guess honest truth, truth is redundant but what i mean by honest truth is something that lizzo needs to hear while you have a record company promoting your size 
to, you know, as this lady said, to celebrate bodies of different shapes, which that's a that's a mixed bag. And we're really going to go into that bag in the next couple of clips. But how can you celebrate unhealthy behavior? This has been such this has been such an interesting media (laughs) manipulation. And it started probably 10 years ago. And Mm -hmm. it was companies like Dove. Uh, which uh, is Johnson and Johnson, I think, um, and other uh, fast-moving consumer goods who were marketing uh, products to different body sizes, but different types of people, obese and not obese. Mm-hmm. And along the way, uh, certainly with political correctness, uh, because you can't say anything about we can't say anything about anybody, but you certainly can't comment on a woman or certainly not on her body. That would be incredibly wrong. And it became, it turned around and, uh, and, and there's something to be said for the happiness that I see many women. I know in saying, Oh, she, look, I'm glad that she could, she can be in this. Look at her, look at her big, beautiful body. In some cases, they're just big women, plus size models uh, that they are not necessarily unhealthy. They're just big women, but there's a thin line between that. There's not. They're just big, big people. Right, and that, but that's it's, the thing. But it's become, we can't lump you can't, all, all. No, you can't. You can't lump it all in. But you gotta look but at, I know um, Lizzo. Body. I I know I know Lizzo. That's unhealthy. No doubt about it. There's a little body in there. A little heart pumping around all that. Body shaming, too. She's not wrong. Yeah, what's wrong with what why, she said? Why, 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 why are we acting like she's wrong? She's a trainer and a health expert. What, well, like, why are people mad? Actress Jamila Jamil, who's a body neutrality activist, tweeted out, just saying, my whole damn thin family has diabetes and high cholesterol and problems with our joints. Why is this woman acting like she's an MRI? Stop concern trolling fat people and get in the bin. But they were talking about Lizzo, not, her fam- not, not, not the other woman's family, though. I'm, I'm just talking about the second statement she made. I mean, obesity is the number one cause of a lot of those things. So why are you I just upset with her she for telling the truth? Specifically talking about Lizzo and commenting on her body and her health without knowing anything about her. But here's how Lizzo responded. If my name is in your mouth, so is my bitch. Enjoy the flavor. Oh, wow. Hold on. Classy. Hold on. <laughs> Classy and sassy. I want to hear the beginning of that again. For she's something. not wrong. Yeah, what's on. wrong with what why, she said? Why, 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 why are we acting like she's wrong? She's this. a trainer and a health expert. What, like, why are people mad? Actress Jamila Jamil, who's a body neutrality activist, tweeted... Body neutrality activist. I just want to write that down for myself. (laughs) Body neutrality. Mm -hmm. The the rabbit hole goes deeper, sir. So Lizzo, wow. That's all right. That's too bad. She's hurt. She's hurt. That's why she's lashing out like that. And and not only that, you're messing with her livelihood if you tell her to lose weight. I, I equate Lizzo to an offensive lineman in football. Her size is what makes her. Gee, really? Her. You really think so? I totally want her to believe because if she's a size two, three, four, she's like everybody else. But I mean, oh, I don't know, Mo. I mean, I I put my hair and flip my hair and check no. my nails. You know, I like that. It's, I don't need to see her. I, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from her talent, but I'm saying to be a star, you have to have something that separates you from everybody else. Right? Yeah, sometimes. If, it, she's, a, if, yeah. if she's a size 
three, four. She looks like everybody else in Hollywood. It's the fact that she could be celebrated by but the body positive activists. Oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> now I'll give this to you. Uh, her big smash. What is that? Uh, check my nails. What is the name of that song? Right. What's the name of the song? I know. It's like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I hear it on the radio, but I can't. Good as hell. Yeah, I don't. Good as hell. Good yeah, as hell. Okay. Yeah. Good as hell. It was that, and she wasn't quite, she's gotten a lot bigger since that came out, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. But that was a, an anthem-like combination of saying, here I am, I don't give a crap how I look, I do my hair toss, check my nails, baby, how you feeling? And you can still be a full-on sexual uh, woman despite how you look. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think that combination is what made her take off. I don't think she needs that to... I think she can go on her talent singing and songwriting. I, but that's my... But it, it, sure, it launched her. Just like my hair made me famous. Right. right. I, I, I don't want to put you in the same. What I'm saying is, well, now we're having a exec, music executive conversation. Yeah. We're not having a, you know... That's a great song. But her is what made the song really blow up because you're identifying with a segment of society that has been left out. So they get behind you on social media. Then it becomes, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like being a child star in a sense. When you have a young child that can really sing well, it's like, wow, you know, the talent's there, of course. But the fact that it's like an unexpected source, which makes the star even bigger, is what I'm saying. At the same same, well, well, now because I'm going to argue with you, Mo, because I've been in some of these meetings. Okay, and it's always the the song first, not the music. The song, the song. Let me hear the song. In this particular case, I believe she wrote the song. I could be wrong. I think she wrote this song. So for me. Lizzo's lyrics in this case, in her particular mm-hmm. instance, are just as valid to me as Mopey Bob Dylan with the shit he was writing and singing about. So I'm just going to argue with you that I don't think she's a music business creation. I think she's the real deal. No, I'm not, I'm not saying she's a music business creation. What I'm saying is to make her. If she was a and I'm going to say this again and we can we can move on. If she was a size four singing the same lyrics with the same voice. And you know, just just the same everything. Just her size was different. I, I think she would have got lost. She may it have. It would have been a. It would have been a big song, but it wasn't. It wouldn't. Have, she's a super celebrity, and that's what I'm saying. The I, level. I'm not saying to be a star, but the level you. of stardom that she receives. I hope. I hope I clarified on that. I understand where you're coming from, and the thing is, if it, if it, if we could always say that were true, then we could make superstars superstars every day. So there's sometimes it's just magical combinations, which are the person itself. So, but I totally agree with you that at this point and after this, this Lizzo broke big, her size has always been a part of uh, her success. That's, that's the point. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, we can, I got we can, you. We can move yeah, yeah. on. We can move on. Okay. So let's move on and go into one of our favorite uh, shows to, to chime in on this subject, The Real. Oh, yay. Now, 
Lizzo, who wow. is in um, Australia on her sold-out tour right now. Uh, <laughs> She said Lizzo said that her music helps little girls accept themselves. And how can we save the world if we save ourselves first? How can we save the world if we don't save ourselves first? Mm -hmm. So, ladies, Julian, does she have the right to question Lizzo's body and her lifestyle? She just don't got the right to talk like that. She was just talking real loose mouth in a way that is just unacceptable. Like, I don't know who you, how we, that... I just don't like when people talk like that when they, she would never say that to Lizzo's face. Never, ever, ever. Right. Like, can you imagine going in like, are you worried that you have diabetes? Like, who does she that? She was real this, yes. and that's not, sorry. I, I think it's actually shocking that coming from someone who does this for a living, who is a fitness expert, doesn't recognize that your health is not determined by your weight. Right? What? So I think we should start there. Like, I know good and well people who actually are like marathon runners and are like incredibly into health and fitness and they drop dead from heart attacks. Like that just randomly happens to them. And we also know some people that maybe would be considered to be overweight who live until they outlive all of us. Yes. <laughs> Only on the real will people applaud heart attacks. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, they train real hard, got a heart attack. Well, that was and, dumb. <laughs> and to say, who is she to ask Lizzo about diabetes? She's a health, health expert. A health expert. <laughs> <laughs> who that's better great. to ask? Oh, that's who funny. better to ask that question? Yeah. But he brings up a point at the end. I think it was. Uh, I don't. I, I want to make one point to go to show you what I was speaking to about, about before. Lonnie is another one. Is in this situation. Her size is the reason why she's on that. It's part on the, of on the, the reason sh- why on the, <laughs> on the show. On the real. Because yeah. she has to represent a segment of society. Well, people like watching themselves, that's for sure. Right. So if she wasn't, if she was a size six, that would hurt her. And I, I'm going to show you an example of what I, I just they popped in my head when I said this. Star Jones. Yes. When Star Jones lost all the weight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but hold on a second. Al Sharpton <laughs> didn't get any less popular. Uh hands in the range. I mean, he's, who, who, he's, he's, well, hold on, hold on. Who's the douchebag weatherman? Al Roker. He's still he's still doing doing well, and he lost. Th- there was three guys. Yeah, he still got the big head though. Yeah, that's true. That's very important for television. It's a big success factor. Trust me. <laughs> but just to show you, uh, um, but they bring up the thing of stu- there, there, there's. You know, studies say this, you know, uh, size is not, you wonder where those talking points come from. Yeah, from Dove, probably. No, 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 no. Academia. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. They, they, no, Peter science. Boss, yeah. P, um, the Joe Rogan show, your buddy, your pal. Yep. Uh, Peter Boggenhausen Bogos- and James. I think Lindsay. it's Bogosian. Bogosian. Okay. Uh, and James Lindsay, they were on there talking about how they had wrote these absurd papers and submitted oh, them. Oh yes, uh, I remember this story. These are real researchers, and they and they um, they decided to check the peer review process, and they wrote some crazy ass papers with nutty ass shit in there, and it got passed. Is that the story, got, more yes, or less? Got, that's the story, and they go into specifics on size or uh, and shape. 
Um, health privilege that's real that's a that's a real one yeah, they're and, using and they also claim to be uh the ha- healthy at every size movement you can be healthy at every size and obesity is just a medicalized narrative yeah and that's really important though because the the point of that is to say if your doctor tells you you're fat and it's a health concern then you don't have to listen <laughs> yeah that is a i've read that before and, and i read an yeah. article by this woman who was morbidly obese charlotte cooper i don't she's I the don't main, know what her name was yeah. but she was talking she was also using, or like, really misusing some studies uh, on. There was some. There, there, there have been some studies on people who are overweight, and that there could possibly be some health benefits to being overweight. These studies have been widely dismissed now. Not only dismissed, but they go in direct contrast to the great volume of studies right. that show how terrible it is for your health to be that that fat and that heavy well yeah. now you see where you're now you see where you're fat we got to follow the tra- the fact trail or the narrative trail you heard on the real then bring up hey there you know there's plenty of examples of uh People out of shape, or who look out of shape, or healthy, or pe- the people who li- are in they shape. They live forever. They yeah, well, they actually, live forever. The example was healthy people dying, dropping dead of being healthy. That, that was the actual example, right? So you wonder where those things come from, and you and it, this is where they come from. They it's the colleges and these professors writing these wild papers that don't get peer reviewed. Apparently, that don't get. Oh, well, that's, oh no, they do get peer reviewed. It's the problem who their peers are. Yeah. Okay, the peers, the peers are on on par. It's yeah, it's on, it's the echo chamber. Yeah. So it's just what? How more can we get absurd? And then those information makes it into the mainstream media. It becomes acceptable. It becomes the whatever truth. the 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 thing is. And then corporate America looks and says, "Hmm, how can we advertise to this new demographic?" Well, I'll I'll, I'll stop you there. Um, in many cases, uh, we've seen corporate America will fund the study to then Mm. go through the whole mill and then pop out the other end. This is why all my life it's been eggs are good, eggs are bad, coffee good, coffee bad. And it's all based on a study and the study was here and you look who did the study and it was funded. So I think corporate is behind a lot of these. I I, I would agree to that. And like you said, if you're trying to sell products, you want to sell to many demographics as possible. One of them being large. And uh, when you speak of um, that segment, it, it's a large segment of the quote unquote black community as well. Yep. And then you have this bad information coming out. You have the neglect of the real problems. You have them saying, oh, the, the media creation of our diet and uh, we've always been big and unhealthy. You know, these these memes that you hear um, and then it's just a self feeding cycle yeah uh but let's listen to uh joe rogan too fat studies classes and there's an actual whoa 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 there's fat studies there's fat studies there's yeah, fat the studies the, fat the journal is fat studies jamie's gonna bring it up <laughs> the jur- <laughs> i told you Pete. i told you 30 million people are waiting uh, to find out studies that yeah, fat studies is real disciplinary journal of body weight yeah. and society this is and this is what jim was telling me he's like when when we do this 30 million people are going to now know that there's something fat studies now fat studies doesn't do what you think it does you probably think oh fat studies you know what are triglycerides how much right. should you 
you exercise? No. Nope. What's a good diet? How much sugar is too much sugar? Well, that is absolutely not what this journal does. Sounds. The oppression of fat people is built into institutions, pervades the cultural landscape, and affects... <laughs> dude, we wow. could have written this. And affects the relationship and perceptions of people of size. People of size. Uh, it is this introduction to the special I issue love on... people of size fat. is not the new people of color. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Fat That's is the, the new black. Parallel. <laughs> <laughs> so they were reading actual studies. The Joker guys were reading actual studies, which makes it funnier. Yes. That's great. And people of size. I don't know how I can say that. Size people. <laughs> size people. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's a segment. And they're not studying what's... And this is the problem I have with the, the left. They want to say, oh, yeah, we're here for black people and black people needs and blah, blah, blah. Right. But you know, you're not studying what's actually killing black people. You're trying to study and come up with ways to make them feel papers. good. <laughs> right. Feel good while you die. It's like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I want you to be comfortable in that body that's going to kill uh, you in that's pretty much, years. Yeah, that's pretty much how we roll. And that's this. That's very disgusting. But we have to get into what is making people fat, particularly black people. And of course, it's the white devils. I mean, I look at labels from time to time, but I can't really be sure how much salt is going inside my body. As Americans casually add salt to their diet, they're subtracting years from their lives. In the U.S., we eat more than twice as much salt per day as we really need. The recommended daily salt intake is 3.7 to 5.8 grams. But the average American male consumes over 10 grams, or almost two teaspoons each day, and the average female over 7 grams. It gives food flavor, but it's not worth your health. A study in the New England Journal of Medicine estimates that cutting out just 3 grams of salt per day could prevent anywhere from 54 to 99,000 heart attacks and 32 to 66 6,000 strokes. How can Americans cut the salt? By having Big Brother take them off the table. That's or what... maybe by just returning to how we used to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Gee. If you... And when I say us, I mean, Americans in, in general used yeah. to be agricultural based. Sure. I mean, this processed food is the is the is the yeah, it's, it's, new, it's the not problem. it's not the salt you put you put on the table it's what's in the food it's what you're getting from uh, mickey d's that's where that's where the salt is slow down curry sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry but yeah it's the salt uh it's really it's told our taste buds are so terribly shot just an american diet I and mean, it's more specifically the black uh, culture because we've consumed so much salt we don't even know what taste is anymore well that's quite a statement it's fried i mean yeah. i mean <laughs> no pun intended but our taste buds are fried but the reason why i say this is i see people from other cultures especially at potlucks and yeah. things of that nature and they'll comment like oh wow that's really salty because <laughs> they're taste buds have, are calibrated differently right where they don't need that that stimulus you know that bang bang in your brain it sets off you know the the triggers in your in your brain uh, um hmm. but let's continue on uh is salt deadly too start with salty snacks the three most popular ones in america are loaded with it potato and tortilla chips have almost half a gram in one serving 
and popcorn has nearly three quarters of a gram. We found that increased salt intake in the U.S. is now as big a problem as cholesterol, almost as big a problem as smoking. The vast wow. majority of salt in the American diet comes from processed foods, not from people adding it themselves. Well, You've go. got to look at it on the package. We have to work with the manufacturers. Unless we do that, our salt intake is going to go up even if we ban salt shakers from every house in the U.S. We're not talking about a huge sacrifice. The three grams of salt that experts say to cut out daily comes to about four slices of bologna. Katie? All right. John LaFouque, John, thanks so much. Bologna. All right. Another, 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 <laughs> black, another blackism sneaking into the news. Hey, hey, stop eating bologna. You know who I'm talking to. But the processed food. Yeah. We see these, and you don't really see the salt in it. You know, you, even if you think you're trying to eat healthy, a lot of that stuff has a ton of salt in it. Yep. Uh, and this is where a Big Mama gets tied back in it. And, and I know people are like, well, what about Big Mama? Okay. Why do black people, why are black people so dependent upon processed food? Well, if you have three-fourths of the household being parented by one parent, you need convenience somewhere. Yeah, you, it's uh, the cooking job. Kids becomes very difficult to do all at once. And to cut to cut corners, you're gonna chicken nuggets, mm-hmm. hungry man, quaint lean cuisine, Popeye, you know, Popeye. I mean, we didn't get to the fast food yet. I'm just saying, if we just say, uh, oh, just, just if, the shit you uh, have at home. Oh yeah, like the frozen right. stuff. Oh yeah, right. oh that's filled Pull it, with salt. Are you pulling yeah. out um, for lunch? Uh, noodles, bologna, bologna, lunch meat in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think you? I mean, you think you see? Okay, I'm gonna pack my kid a, a decent lunch. Let me give him a. Uh, and then you factor in a- a- economics because unhealthy food is super cheap. Yeah, yeah. I tell people this all the time. Imagine trying to buy. Okay, you get a little Debbie, right? A box of little Debbie. I think they're like one fifty nine, one sixty nine, right? That's mm-hmm. like two apples. Mm-hmm. If you got to load up a kid's lunchbox. Yeah, we know, a, we know uh, what you're throwing in there. Right. On a one parent income, you're going to get the little box of Debbie's because there's five in there that come through the week for their snack. And then, you know, you the bologna sandwich with the cheese on it on white bread. There you go. And then, okay, <laughs> let me give me a handful of Doritos or Wonder bread. Flaming Hot Cheetos. Bam. And not, not, a, man, not exclusive to uh, to black, but. No, no, I'm just saying. If, but I know exactly where you're coming the, from. If you look at the single parent, and it's not exclusive to black, but we're heavily. What we got to talk about is a numbers game. Three-fourths of our families are a single parent. Yeah. The parents are going to cut corners while they can't. I mean, because you're trying to work. You're trying to do homework. You just, I'm not, not, you know, not taking anything away, but. You think, okay, yeah, let me get that. All the, the bag says low sodium. You well, know, me- but also, I mean, and, <laughs> if the if this Rona time has taught me anything, uh, mm-hmm. just talking to, you know, the kids, we got all kids sitting at home with no no jobs and stuff. And uh, they're finding out, which is not a secret, that if you want to make something, uh, ingredients are pretty expensive. Just to go get, you know, some fresh greens. It's expensive. It's a, a lot more expensive than fast food. Right, you can just grab, you know, like I said, you get a pound of lunch meat, some bread, and there you got, there Good you have go. it. Done. Well, we address one white devil. Ah, let's let's talk. Let's talk about the other white devil. It's 
sweet. It's seductive. Is it deadly? Tonight, the dangers of sugar. I think that sugar is a main contributing factor. Serious new warnings from serious people. The more I learn about it, the more it scares me. Also tonight, what the sugar industry has tried to hide. Strategies that I thought the tobacco companies made up back in the 50s, actually some of those the sugar people had done even before that. Hmm, yes, the other <laughs> deadly white powder. The most deadly white powder. And, it, and it's amazing if we start talking about body counts. <laughs> <laughs> Salt and sugar should be schedule one narcotics. <laughs> really? If you just want to look at uh, body, if you say, okay, we're going to look at substances and what kills people <laughs> right. and we're going to ban those substances like we did with, say, vaping, for instance. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> salt and sugar got to go. And I think I'm not, con- I'm not uh, calling for that. I'm just saying for the people that want to really attack issues, these are the two biggest things that people are silent on. Yes. Bigger, bigger killers than coronavirus. Bigger killing the coronavirus, bigger killers than cocaine, heroin, opioids, all that. Bigger killers than uh, ISIS. And just as addictive, too. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> if you're in the camp. <laughs> right. Uh, well, uh, let's get into uh, Fifth Estate, too. When the Breeden family goes shopping, like most Canadians, they try to buy healthy. Let's go. But like most Canadians, they don't always succeed. They're busy. Meals have to be quick. And then there's keeping the kids happy. It's either Lucky Charms or the Mini Wheats of Chocolate? No, I'm my Lucky Charms. Okay, Lucky Charms? A lot of what they eat is processed. They assume it's nutritious, but they've never paid much attention to what's in the food they buy. Have no idea how much sugar is hidden. Did they stop teaching home ec in uh, in school? I mean, we learned all this. We had we learned to look at the labels and check this stuff and what your daily recommended values were. But even if you went to home ec, you were taught the food pyramid. Yeah, which, which that was that, way that, out. Was, <laughs> that was another nightmare. Yeah, right, right, seven out of seven to ten servings of bread a day. Yeah. I mean, like that was the basic. <laughs> Woo! Can't believe I'm still alive. <laughs> right, I'm just saying. But if even if they taught it, the information is so poor. Yeah, that I don't think it would help. I mean, yeah, you should you should always count your calories, but. This is a whole scheme. This is a cartel. The sugar and salt cartel, more salt, more oh, sugar. Oh, hell salt. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the biggest cartel in America. Well, in the world, maybe. Well, uh, you, you know, you know, those drug dealers, you know who they like to target first. <laughs> but now I'm just now I'm just pandering, Mo. Now I'm just pandering to you. No, no you're not. You're, you're not. You're really not. Because. Well, let's get into uh, part three. It's what sweetens the products and spikes the profits of some of the most powerful and familiar companies in the world. The food industry is one of the biggest manufacturers in North America, nearly a trillion dollars in sales every year. And it couldn't do it without sugar. 
sugar is one of the essential basic ingredients used in 99% of the processed foods out there. Former industry executive Bruce Bradley has worked for some of North America's biggest food companies. It's something that can drive a lot of taste in the products and a lot of appeal for consumers. So it's, it's one of the basic building blocks. Sure is. I want you to listen to that first 10 seconds of that clip again and tell me this. This is not sound like a drug operation. Oh, no, I'm on. I'm on that tip already. No, just- and make no mistake. The amount of sugar in our food is no accident. The food industry goes to great lengths to figure out what makes us crave a product. The exact combination of ingredients it calls the bliss point. The bliss point. Yeah. The bliss point. When you get high. And they spent that's the whole thing when they make these products. What keeps them coming back for more? It's crack. Yep. It's food, it's food crack. I mean, they sit in these billion dollar <laughs> laboratories <laughs> cooking up. It's like, food. Oh, what can we, it's food what can crack, we, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, it you is. think you're sitting in a laboratory. What can we sprinkle on that corn that tortilla chip? The, you know what I'm saying? To make them bomb by the bag, you know? Yeah. That is sick. The bliss point. Well, that's um, for me. It's all I can always or a lot of food that will have MSG. I'm like, oh, they because that's dope, man. MSG is uh, it's literally a form of salt that tricks your brain into thinking you're really liking what you're eating. Chinese mm-hmm. food has that often, although I believe it's forbidden, but probably not eradicated. Yeah, and and our brain is hardwired to like salty, fatty. Sweet food. It triggers everything. Nature, yeah, yeah it if triggers. If you found that in nature, you want that because you want it to store fat. Yeah, you'd be like, Woo! You, I'll take this. Right. So the, we have it's a real biological uh, thing that happens in your brain. But what these sinister mofos have realized is, ooh, we can we can trip that uh, part in their brain, and they'll just keep eating these by the like. They'll tell you, oh, just listen to this. Oh, you just can't eat one. Tell me that don't sound like crack. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Smoke one rock. <laughs> once you open the once you open the bag, you can't close it. Yeah, it's well, true. Pringles, once you pop, you can't stop. That's right. What? what? <laughs> this is what they're selling to us, and and, and they advertise it. Um, uh, it, and they target. Well, I'm gonna not get ahead of myself. Uh. Let's, let's wrap up with uh, the fifth estate. A Harvard-trained mathematician, Moskowitz uses models to test people's reactions to different versions of a product. Once he's found the bliss point, the product hits the shelves. From soda pop to spaghetti sauce, his magic makes money. Everybody wants to sell just a bit more. How do you get that immediate increase in acceptance? Those in the know realize you can add a little sugar. A little. The first thing to know is that four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. So with that in mind, let's look at some products. It's no surprise Coca-Cola has a lot of sugar. 40 grams a can, that's 10 teaspoons. But much of the sugar we eat is hidden in foods we don't necessarily think of as sweet. This oatmeal, three and three-quarter teaspoons of sugar a bowl. This vanilla-flavored yogurt, nearly five teaspoons in just half a cup. 
You can find sugar added to bread, soup, all kinds of condiments, hot dogs. This chicken dinner, labeled Healthy Choice, has five and a half teaspoons of sugar in every serving. <laughs> you know, I grew up. Uh, I grew up with a lot of women. I learned. I learned to look at these things. You know, I'll be taking a swig of cranberry juice here at home, like ah, mm-hmm. just take it right out of the bottle. No one else wants to drink it. And they say, well, I don't, uh, we don't drink that. Why not? Well, look how many grams of sugar per serving. And it's literally like 40 grams for a glass. It's crazy. And if you look, and this is why I said uh, Big Mama got a bad rap, because they have you believed it. Her selling, you know saying, like we're eating like uh, macaroni and cheese and Collard greens with hot ham hocks every day. This is the real. This is the real. Pe- this is the real uh, bad actors. Are these companies pushing this uh, processed food? This thing you packed your kid a, a breakfast of oatmeal and yogurt. You yeah. think that's healthy? You know, say I'm doing. I mean, I'm doing a great job. You know, give them a piece of fruit, <clears throat> which also has natural sugar in it. Of course. So I mean, you give them oatmeal, a yogurt, and a um, let's say an apple. Man, they're they're just sending their body into overdrive with sugar. Yeah, but you think as a parent, I mean, I mean, I'm including myself in this. Uh, you would thought, man, I did a great job here, right? I mean, I, I gave my kid a, a nice, healthy breakfast, but no, you, you made them junkies. There's a <laughs> there's a lot of great <laughs> documentaries on both these topics, salt and sugar, and probably both combined. There's a lot. You know, there's a lot of really good stuff to watch. It's not, it's, you know, uh, it's not just the the food processors. There's a lot of lot of industries involved, right up to banking. And, and we're we're going to take a look at that before we do, uh, before we figure out uh, who are the crack houses for this drug cartel. Uh, let's let's thank some people. I understand that there's some people out there who need my services. Yes, yeah. Lord. Are there any people out there who are weak? Yes. Any people out there who are weary? Yes. Any people out there who are tired? Yes. Any people out there who just need a heal? Yes. Y'all got cash. Yes. Well, then come on down. It never bores. The best donation segment clips ever and anywhere available on the planet. Uh, MoFax with Adam Curry runs on the value for value model uh, as pioneered by the No Agenda show. But man, is it so appropriate for this. Um, everyone's a producer. That's how it works. You listen, you listen. At no charge. There's no uh, no hidden messages from corporate sponsors. I don't think they would work very well on this show. I don't think he, any corporations would want uh, even some of their competitors unveiled the way we do here. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, and, uh, well, you know, there's a... It's a value that we put out there. All we ask is for you to consider sending that value back in monetary form. And luckily, people are still doing that, and very nicely so. In fact, I want to take a look at our um, donors for uh, today for episode 34, Mo Facts with Adam Curry. We have our uh, executive producer right off the top uh, who came in with $200. No note, though. Uh, does this come in through Cash App or PayPal? How does that work? When uh, That came through uh PayPal. PayPal. Well, Mark McClure certainly sounds familiar. Um, but Mark, thank you for uh, supporting MoFax. It's uh, this is a, a great, a great support. 
And if you have anything to say, you can always put a note in the in the PayPal or the Cash App note field and let us know. But you will be executive producer for episode 34. Trevor Merkin comes in with 133.33 magic numbers. We love that. No note as well for him. He'll be our first associate executive producer. And then we mm-hmm. go to Connor Lawrence. Uh, Connor gave us 103.02. I'm sure there's some code in there that I'm not figuring out. Um, let's read Connor's note. Fuck student loans, gents. Here's your cut of my stimulus check. <laughs> Thank you. I'm stuck in quarantine at the moment because one of my clients tested positive for Ron- uh, tested as positively ronaristic. <laughs> And I'm waiting back on the results of my Rona test. I've almost finished listening to all the episodes. I cannot thank you, the both of you enough for the job you've done keeping me sane in spite of the bombardment of media mind control. I cannot say anything other than please keep what you're doing, gents, because I really need you. And I think I speak for everyone. I say that you two and No Agenda are the only reliable source of information, period. Jung once said, people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. And without you two, I think I'd be swept up in the madness like my mom and most of my friends. Thank you so freaking much for what you do. I'm sorry I've said that about 34 times already, but it's a lucky number for me. 3 plus 4 is 7, and 34 is the number of David Ortiz, my hero. And my donation is 34.34 times 3. So if you could please spare a, a woosa. <laughs> I love it when people are asking for this now. Yeah, we got a woosa for you, man. Woosa. Woosa. And that's for him and his girlfriend, uh, Elisa, so they can get through this sane and healthy. Well, it sounds like you're doing just fine, uh, Connor. Uh, From the bottom of my heart, thank you both for the hope you give me, the positive energy you show me, and the path forward you've illuminated for me. I'm eternally grateful to you for that. Uh, Believe until the end, even if all men went astray and you were left the only one faithful, bring your offering even then and praise God in your loneliness. And if two of you were to meet in that place, there's an entire world of living love. And that's a quote from Dostovsky? I think it's Dostovsky. Dostovsky? I'm not familiar. Dostovsky? Dostovsky, yeah. Well, I learned something here. Connor, thank you so much. It's very appreciated. And we'll put you up there with our associate executive producers uh, on the episode page for uh, MoFax episode 34. Matt Rego, R-E-G-O, Rego, says, keep up the great work. Gives us $100. Thank you. Aaron Bear, $75 from him. Give your champagne sharks on SoundCloud. Oh, give champagne sharks on SoundCloud a view. Good conscious content that may serve as insight for your continued excellence in podcasting. Thank you for your service. Did you check that out, Mo? Did you check out Champagne Sharks? I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I will. Okay, I'll uh, do that too. Next week. Definitely. Well, this week. Uh, 69.69 from Jake Wainwright, and he says, thank you for your work, bro. Appreciate it greatly. James Gilkison, $33.33. I really found the Nocebo show to be insightful. Thanks for all you do to inform us. A lot of people like Nocebo. Uh, David Hutchinson, $33. Mo and Adam, I had to send 33 after hearing episode 33 of the best race relations conversation in the universe. As old white folk, we... (laughs) As old white folk, we love what we're hearing and enjoy the way you two converse. Keep on helping us pay attention to everything. And says Hutch, David Hutchinson, thank you. Uh, Jean Sammy Morenci or Jean Sami, I think it's Jean, probably $25. Note said long overdue. Well, 
It's always on time for us. Thank you very much. No note from John Taylor, but $25. Thank you, John. Charles Couch, 2345, 23.45. Nice. We love the sequential numbers. Thanks for the great show, Mm -hmm. Adam and Mo. As a white American who doesn't use social media or watch TV, I'm very disconnected from ADOS and black culture. The episodes are truly a walk through Mo's mind, and and, uh, (laughs) and the shows are well thought out and complete. Thank you for your courage. Well, they certainly are. All props to Mo for that. Clinton, $23, who wants a goat woosa. This is a rare combo we haven't had yet. Woosa. 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 You got it. <laughs> Laurence the Brown, $22.22. Thank you, Laurence. Laurence writes, this podcast, especially the first couple of episodes, are an enlightening introduction to understanding race relations in the USA. Thank the both of you for doing this. Yeah, and I'll comment on that. I think that um, having grown up and lived in different countries, race relations are kind of the same everywhere. It's just a lot of, it's all um, lack of, uh, it's ignorance, really, but not like you're a stupid, ignorant slut, Jane. But, like, you just don't know because you haven't been exposed. And when it turns out, when you have a chance to talk with each other, you learn stuff. It's crazy. We should do a podcast about that. (laughs) Carlo Romero, $20 from uh, Carlo, says, I listened to my first episode, number 33, today. I must say, I love what you guys are doing. Currently listening to the Kanye episode. Yeah, one of my faves. Uh, It's episode 13. And I'm loving every second. And he says, Qui danci no dengende for legend. Which I think is uh, Spanish for take care and don't stop telling the truth for the people. I wish I could have read what he wrote. <laughs> Spanish, not my, not one of mine. Ben Klinger, fifth, thank you, Carlo. Ben Klinger sends $15 enjoying the show immensely. Keep us informed when you need to skip a show day, though. Yeah, this is one of the violations. We're in violation of one of the number one rules of podcasting. What, what's that? Consistent uh, release. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. it's also the, it's also one of the first rules in uh, webcam work but it's uh in this case trying to do it on the same day in the, certainly in the beginning of podcasting became very important um, okay and and i'm only saying this because he wrote it but you know mo does have an actual job uh i have a job oh. on two days a week so i'm lucky that way but it's it's not easy and this is a lot of research and it's pumping it out so sometimes it life gets in the way and it's not really, I mean, we have situations where life gets in the way, but I would rather take a day or two exactly, and give you a superior product than to try to meet a deadline. And I hope people understand when I, when I that's why I text you that, that I was, I mean, I was honest with you that, Hey man, I fell down a rabbit hole. I mean, so <laughs> when that happens, it's like, yeah, do, do I just. No, you know, we, you know what we should and, do? No, what, what, it'll be my job uh, to communicate. Okay, because I should have just tweeted out and said, "Hey, Mo's in a rabbit hole," and now everyone will know when I tweet Mo's in the <laughs> rabbit hole. Everyone can relax. Don't worry, your feed will update. Your podcast app will have it eventually. But if you get the code Mo's in the hole, then you know what's up. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> Thank <but> you. Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ben. You see, Ben producing already, telling us what to do. Eric yeah, Booth, $15, no note from him. Todd uh, Krasminski, 
1111, $11.11, no note from him. Thank you very much. Justin D says, uh, Nocebo was an eye-opening journey. Indeed, it was. 8.88 from him. William Hawthorne, $5. Uh, Faro Dinero, $3.33. Magic numbers again. Salute Mo and Curry donating to the Mo Sheen. <laughs> we are the Mo Sheen. Nice. <laughs> the Mo Sheen. And winding up our uh, nice list of 22 people today. So that means we probably have uh, thousands listening because it's only a I think small... we got one more. We got one more. Yeah, I got Joris Helweg here, $2.10, oh, yeah. uh, probably from the Netherlands, Dutch name. Uh, no note from him. But thank you to all of these uh, producers who have supported MoFax uh, for episode 34. Again, our executive producer, Mark McClure, uh, associate execs, Trevor Merkin, Connor Lawrence, Matt Rigo, Aaron Bear, Jake Wainwright, and and that that'll do it. Those are our uh, our uh, associate executive producers. They'll be on the credits page. Uh, you can find that at mofax.com. And if you'd like to support us, we'd love it for sure. Um, just think about what it was worth to you. You spent a couple hours listening to it. Uh, does that translate to uh, a movie you might have rented uh, on the stream? Maybe that's what you'd like to support us with. Go to mofax.com or directly to the donation page, mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-Me.com. And again, thank you for supporting MoFax with Adam Curry. And the real magic and just incredible thing about value for value is that we don't have to play advertisements like this next one. What are you stopping for, girl? I got to get on home, fix me something to eat, because I'm hungry. I know, I know. Why you suppose we here? What you talking about, girl? I ain't talking about chicken. What else? Can I help you? You show care. Can gospel packs, please? Gospel packs? What's there? What's them? Announcer, please school these sisters. General Otis is proud to introduce the Gospel Pack. Ten Creole wings, biscuits, greens, mashed potatoes, and praise his name, napkins, with a verse of scripture printed right on the front. You know the general uses only the finest ingredients and plumpest birds to bring you the tastiest chicken possible. Take a bucket home to the family or dine with the general in his new upper room dining areas. It's a blessing to eat chicken this good. I wonder who they were trying to target with that commercial. <laughs> so unclear. <laughs> and, and for the and for the visuals, it was two heavy set older black women. So stereotypical. In their choir robe. <laughs> yeah, got the uh, music playing. The, the gospel the co- gospel pack. Now, I have to be honest with everybody. This was uh, satire from a movie called Drop Squad. And it was uh, directed by uh, uh, Spike Lee. And oh. he was actually in the, in, the, in the feed. But it has a point for showing you this. Uh, Drop Squad was a... I, I found it to be a very good movie because it portrayed uh, advertising exec Buford Jamerson who was in charge of the Minority Development Division for an advertising agency. It says among the ad campaigns he, he was involved, uh, he is involved with, one was for malt liquor called Mumbling Jack, oh. uh, wh- whose billboard depicts a woman 
in a skimpy bikini straddling a bottle uh, with the slogan, it gets you crazy. Uh, and then another one he was part of was the the Bible pack, the got me, excuse me, gospel pack. It says, which offers a Bible verse printed on every napkin. <laughs> uh, well, that was 1994. I, th- thanks, we, thanks for that. I've not seen this. I'm going to watch this for sure. This looks like a great movie. It was, and, and basically in the movie, what they did, well, I won't give the plot of I me. Mean, I won't. Well, no, no, I'm going to watch but, it tonight. Don't ruin it. Right, right. But the reason why I bring this up, in 1994, we were aware of how ad agencies will hire black people to peddle us things were unhealthy for us. Now, fast forward 20 years, mm. the basis of the show, Blackish. He's an advertising executive. I was just thinking of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is from the Wikipedia page. Andre, Andre, quote, Dre Johnson, a wealthy advertising executive at Stephen and Lido, who wishes to ensure a balance of black culture is entwined with his family's ultra-suburban upbringing. So he was in in the room as the black guy. (laughs) Yes. And every ad agency <laughs> has the black guy. Well, in, in fact, the, the whole show black. the whole show makes fun of that and literally pokes pokes at that the whole time. Right, but I'm just saying, 20 years ago we knew this was a negative. But I'm just showing 20 years oh, yeah. later now it's hilarious. It. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's actually a positive. Yeah, because um, he knows how to sell them sneakers. Right, and the crazy thing is, I know you said that. Well, the gospel pack was part of a movie. Well, according to Chinese Global uh, Chinese Global Television Network or CGTN, this is re- a reality as well. Yum! Magically delicious. If you watch TV, then these ads are familiar. But according to a recent study, African American and Hispanic consumers in the U.S. are disproportionately exposed to ads promoting junk food. The Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at the University of Connecticut found that of the more than $1 billion spent annually on advertising to blacks and Hispanics, 86% of spending targeting black consumers and 82% aimed at Hispanics was for junk food and sugary drinks. Food policy expert Michael Roberts has seen this kind of data before, but the impact is no less shocking. I've been at this for a long time, and I was amazed, not just in television advertising, but social media advertising, video games, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and it really caught me off guard. The advertising blitz isn't the only problem facing low-income communities of color. There's also a lack of quality food options. These areas are called food deserts, a place where there are no good grocery stores or healthy restaurants. Instead, these areas are overrun by fast food restaurants and convenience stores. Yeah, it's by design. It's how it, how it was all built up. And these neighborhoods, as she said, are overrun with fast food restaurant and convenience stores, which, uh, a.k.a. the crack houses. Well, you are talking about Opportunity Zone 33 here in Austin. That's exactly what it is. Uh, You're going to find a we, you Burger can't, King, McDonald's. <laughs> oh, no, all of them. You name it. Right on Riverside, we've got Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's, Popeye's, uh, Pizza Hut, uh, Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've Chipotle, got, which is Chipotle. Uh, I mean, they, they try to sell it as healthy. We have one. <laughs> we have healthy uh, food. We have one restaurant in this neighborhood, and that's Vietnamese. 
Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a high turnover, high volume, really good food, inexpensive. I mean, if you, if you move that into a different zip code, they could charge four times the amount. But that's it. This, it's nothing but convenience and fast food. It's, uh, now, of course, we're here waiting for the gentrification. We're the tip of the spear. We're trying to kick everybody out. So it'll get better. But, oh, yeah, it's by design for sure. And as you pointed out with the, uh, I think you said Viet- Vietnamese uh, <clears throat> restaurant, um, they have a strong culture. And the main point of your culture, as for Mr. Twitty pointed out in the in the, the the clips before, having a strong culture, part of that is what you eat. Absolutely. So they don't, and this is not exclusive. And then I want to make this very clear. And I've noted, I've spotted this working with people from vet vast amounts of uh different backgrounds from all around the world this american culture is a pressure cooker <laughs> and what i mean by that is you see people that didn't eat meat or certain types of meat when they get here all that goes out the window WIC dietitian jennifer torres admits it sometimes feels like a david and goliath situation it is an uphill battle. There can always be more resources and more programs that are going to be helping out our families get that knowledge and help them understand what is behind a food label or what is behind that ad. Or, you know, not all advertised healthy foods are healthy foods. But it's also about taking legal action against companies pushing junk food. If the advertising is actually creating uh, unfairness in the marketplace, and one could argue that this kind of advertising is doing just that, then presumably a lawsuit or a cause of action could be filed under state law. We haven't really seen that attempted, but it's, it's there and it's a possibility. That's not food. This is food. But there is a hurdle, the First Amendment, which protects free speech, and that includes commercial speech. All the more reason that nutritional advocates like PHFE Wick embrace the adage, knowledge is power. Yeah, that's the truth. Well, ain't that amazing how they use the First Amendment to <laughs> propagandize? People. Well, it's okay if you're going to make money on it. Oh, come on. Right. Uh, but so the, we have clear evidence that they're targeting uh, African-American and Hispanic communities with uh, junk food and fast food. But I, that's why I'm taking Big Mom off the hook. <clears throat> it's not her. It's not her uh, soul food that she feeds you once a week. Uh, it's what you eat the other six days. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I was. Out of high school and in college. I lived off fast food. Sure. Because where could you, you eat for uh, my generation created the four for four before it was a thing with fast food restaurants. You would go get a burger, a nugget, a fry and a drink. That was that was <laughs> that was dinner. <coughs> well, you got burger and nugget. No, oh, that's too much for me. No, but that's for I mean, no, I'm talking about the little four cheese burger, not the, the big. Oh, OK. The, yeah. Just the a dollar burger. burger yeah. The oh, dollar yeah. nugget. Yeah. The dollar fry. The dollar. I mean, you four for four. Right. For, yeah, for four dollars. I mean, yeah. we created that. <laughs> Another thing that, we, that was appropriated from us. <laughs> that came from four cent milk. I'm sure it's like more fours. Yeah. Right. So, but we lived like that because when you didn't have any money, it was like, how can I feed myself? Or you would eat a pack of ramen noodles for lunch, uh, or you would eat a dollar sausage biscuit for breakfast. I mean, there, there you go. That's six dollar meal. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it was $6 day eating. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's manageable. Yeah, it's manageable. Right. Which, I mean, that's a lot of people's reality. And I foreshadowed this early in the show. That's why these companies are essential. That's why they can't close down. Of course. It's just, that's because it's what people literally eat. This is how the people are living. It's not like it's an option. Uh, if you, I think they said that uh, like food stamp give people like four dollars a day to live off of or something crazy number like that. It's like, mm. how in the hell am I supposed to live? I mean, well, that's what that's why uh, that's why fast food accept EBT cards. Uh, do they? Do they? Oh, I'm sure they do. Oh, I'm I, 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 I am I almost a hundred percent certain McDonald's. Uh, or they didn't. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. I EBT. think they can't. I think you. I don't think you can buy. I thought prepared you foods. I thought you could. Here, these fast food restaurants accept EBT. Oh, uh, this is news to me. Yeah, breaking news. Burger King, Wendy's, yeah, all of them. Wow, I didn't know. Come out, I knew growing up. I you, could only buy you know what? Up. No, I I remember this because I remember the conversation, and it happened mm-hmm. under Obama. And I remember the conversation was. Why would you allow people to already have these issues to get this shit? You know, where there's a- can, I, can I get a thanks, Obama? <laughs> please, God, please. Thanks, Obama. It's- you want to thank? Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't ready. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it just yeah, it's, it's necessary in this, in this in this point because yeah, you are you ready? People, yeah, are you ready? Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Wait, let's do it again. Thanks, Obama. I had an you. Thanks, Obama. Wait, no, this is better. Yeah. This is better. Ah, thanks, Obama. There you go. Yeah, there you- <laughs> I'm putting that. Now I'm putting that one in Iraq. <laughs> I want to make sure we always have that one just in case. Now you know your people are already susceptible to uh, fast food. The propagandization of fast food restaurants uh eating out of necessity i mean we can't leave that out like i just said i was i'm not preaching from you know from a soapbox i was one of those people till i realized you know what and that's where that college 20 comes from when you hear a lot of people all when you when you first you know first year of college you put on 20 pounds that's because you're living off because you're living on shit yeah what you can afford and (laughs) and alcohol (laughs) what you can afford and alcohol that's kind of it that's true too but so, but well, yeah, well, so, but just so you know, it's true. EBT. So that's the food stamps for people who know it. Uh, EBT. You get a pre uh, a pre charged debit card, and they just fill it up for you, and it's it's accepted at fast food. And I remember that. I remember a whole there was congressional hearings about it. And I'm going to say one more thing. This is just a, a hell belief of mine. I, I I think there may be some scientific data behind. It. I'll dig it up. But I believe the person that prepares your food transfers some energy into the food. Wherever I, thank you for saying this, <laughs> wherever I am, when something's going to, like, I would go to, I used to go to Subway's, because one nearby when I was uh, uh, divorced living downtown. And I'd always say, they say, what do you want in it? So I want this, I want that, I want a veggie with this and cheese. And could you please put some extra love on it? And the reaction you get from people is all nine out of 10 times. People go like, oh, you bet. I'll put extra love on it. And they, and makes them happy to even hear that and say that. Mm-hmm. And I do that for that very reason. I totally believe that 
whoever is love goes into the food which one of the most ultimate forms of love is cooking for someone else well okay let's explore this then say that's the placebo effect of food right i mean okay. just for for terms we sure. use now say you have a disgruntled employee that's making seven dollars an hour in a, in, a, in a piece of crap kitchen yeah, hot it's putting pure evil blackness into your burger I watch your curry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so- <laughs> death. I meant death. I'm sorry. No, I know, Didn't mean you equate black with death again. But <laughs> no, I'm just pull- I'm just pulling your chain. But no, I mean, well, we we talked about that word too. How that that's the whole right. another problem, right? But yeah, you put that negative energy of somebody that hates their job, that's being underpaid, making being your under- food. Yeah, why would you want to accept it? That's a, such a good point. Well, you have to eat it because you only have $4 budget for, say, for four, your meal tonight. Four by four. Right. So, I mean, you you factor all this into the community uh, of people. And like I said, it just starts here, people. It just starts here. I mean, if you looked at the trends of weight, if you, if by what I, what I brought to the table, that it always starts with us, but then it spreads out to the rest of the community. This thing could have been spotted way ahead of time. Mm. I, I, it's one thing, and I, we're going to get to the rest of the clip. I just want to say one more thing, though. I noticed when I started seeing more than one of these hover around things in the grocery store. What things? The hover around, you know, the thing you old people ride on? Oh, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they used to be only available at Walmart, and now they're in every department store. And multiple ones in the stores. Yeah. Why? Because when you, when you see who's on it, the yeah. majority of the time yeah. it's people's eating habits that forced them to give up their legs for wheels. And I digress on that one, but th- just, just let that soak in for a minute. And, and it, we could have been a great, uh, canary in them coal mine. If people were paying attention to where America diet was heading, uh, because we had McDonald's advertising to black people like this clip. Remember when McDonald's made commercials that cater specifically to black people? What do black people like? 90s R&B music and chicken. I woke up and found you creeping. Oh, girl, I know your secret. Got that McNuggets loving. You went to McDonald's? It just ain't fair. Why can't you share your love with me? Nice song, but you're still not getting any of my crispy, juicy nuggets. Girl, you got a 10 piece, please don't be stingy. <laughs> what was that last line? Girl, you what? Girl, you got a 10 piece, please don't be stingy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and oh, no, it's not just corporate. We're just sticking with corporate, specifically fast food. And this I'm saying to wrap up the show because this thing is widespread. You hear it in political ads. Sure. It's this. Way they targeted us with advertisement, which is you have the the Dre uh, what's his name Dre Johnson in the room. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, oh they they love R and B music, you know. <laughs> that's and, that's that's who loves that, right? And not only with the R and B music, there was an era of music called snap music, which was uh, a form of rap, and Madonna's got in on the act. But wait, there's more. Snap music is in McDonald's commercials. Yo, cuz, I'm gonna show you how the South does. Try this out. All right. You got it? Come on. Hey. Hey, what's up? 
After the party, we're going to McDonald's. Try this out. Hey, yo, cuz, what's this? It's the new Southern Style Chicken Biscuit. Mmm, that's what's up. So, how you liking the South? Man, yo, I'm loving it. Wanna get that left at Taffy? Wanna get them chicken strips? Well, that's a basic advertising for you is use our product, you get laid. I mean, that's, that's pretty much advertising in a nutshell. Yeah, but what I want to point out is they have their vein on the pulse. Oh, yeah. Somebody that like, oh, yeah, yeah, snap music in. I mean, because you can hear just over the time the music change. Oh, absolutely. And, some, and somebody's in that room like, oh, no, snap's not out anymore. It's about trap or Trap me saying traps out, you know, and it's even to the point of if you listen to the older black radio stations, McDonald's will have more like the Neo Soul <laughs> spin on it. It's uh, very specific. Hey, baby, I'm loving it. Yeah, it, McDonald's. It, it's very specific to the even subgenres in in this uh, quote unquote black community. Like, oh, okay, we're targeting older black folks, so we'll use like some old smooth groove if we're targeting younger black audience then we'll use something more up to date you know um, ladies and gentlemen i'd just like to announce if there are any uh, advertising executives out there listening what you are hearing is the the young mo who clearly would be dynamic in your organization he he knows how to market to the black audience well, if you if you want to market to us, give us you, something. That's you could get hired. <laughs> you could get hired. No, I, well, this this is the problem with these ad agencies and the, and the, and the, I'm gonna call it just the drays of the world. Yeah, uh, bro, you're not selling that hamburger just like nobody. A drug dealer is not selling the crack. I mean, you just have a captive audience that's going to use the product because it's <laughs> addictive. Yes, good point. Right. <laughs> but they sit in the room and, you know, uh, the, the agency, oh, yeah, we need to have the, the diverse voice in the room. Uh, how will this land? Basically, you're there to say, oh, yeah, that's too far. That's yeah, their only yeah, job. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's their only job. To, and, <laughs> and, you know, to say, oh, nah, that's, that'll land wrong. Um, but to like, you're not, you know, what's what's the Emmy or Grammy for advertisement? Uh, you're not winning one of those. Oh, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, no, it's the one they give away at, um, in con, I want to say Peabody, but it's not. No, it's, it's the not, key, it's the yeah. con ad. Oh no, I want to know. It's that golden something advertising award. It's the. Uh, oh, I don't, hold on a second. The lion, yes, it's the lion awards. You get a, a con yeah. lion. Yeah, exactly. You're not. You're not winning none of those making these commercials. It's just like you're just there to be this. You know, as we heard in previous shows, the the black voice is like, okay, yeah, we ran it by the black voice. He's okay with it. Put it's it like, out there. It's like running it past legal. That's good to go. Okay. Well, this last advertising, I mean, advertisement from McDonald's, and I'm just picking on McDonald's here, but they're all all they guilty all of it. They all but do this it. is just the big. This is the big one. So, this is one they rolled out. I think in the late, the early '90s. This is Calvin. This is awful. And McDonald's had me when they had Calvin. Calvin had his life together. What up, Jay? What up? Where's Calvin? At the J-O-B, man. What? He's still flipping those burgers at Mickey D's? Here's your order. Thanks, Calvin. He's not tired of that yet. Could be kicking it with us, man. Mm -hmm. Having big, big fun. He says he has a plan, man. Meet the newest member of our management team, Calvin. Congratulations. All right, Calvin. Management team now, Mama. Oh, baby, I'm so proud of you. 
my voice too hard in there. Yeah, you're right. Because he does wear some fresh clothes. Yo, Calvin. Welcome to the hood. May we help you? <laughs> so, nothing much. Well, I'm out. Hey, yo, yo, Calvin. Man, what's the word on that job thing? Oh, man, you know, not for me. <laughs> or a friend of mine. What? <laughs> I remember that one. I remember in New York they, Which, they played it. Yeah, I mean, it was. Oh, this is this is a huge one uh, uh, all over. You're saying the country to the point where David Chappelle did a little satire with Whack Whack Arnold's. Whack Arnold's is proud to give young African Americans an opportunity to serve their communities, making them feel responsible for the welfare of their own environment. Miss Harvey. Oh, she died, Calvin, of high cholesterol. Too much whack on. <laughs> Damn, Calvin, you look beat the hell up. What's up, Frog Eye? Punk, bitch. <laughs> Corny ass nigga. Yo, Calvin, it's the thin line between fries and shakes. Okay, part two, part two. The leanest burger in the world could be the mean. Stop smoking this shit here, bro. Hey. Brought y'all home some dinner from work. Calvin, you can't keep feeding me and your baby hamburgers and french fries every goddamn night. Well, what the hell do you expect me to do? Nigga, get a real job. Bitch, what that was giving me, I was to my community and feel responsible for the welfare of my own environment. Don't give me that trifling ass bullshit. I'm on that lot of pressure. Hey. Who's loves these? Huh? Who are you fucking OJ? What is this? <laughs> My is tearing his family apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. So he highlights some great points in there that Calvin is selling stuff that's killing in his own community. Not Calvin specifically, because he just wanted to have a job uh, to feel, you know, uh, to have some money coming into his pocket but he's basically working for a drug cartel because <laughs> what are you what are you peddling salt well, and sugar well here's you uh, it down, here, you here's, it down. i got some bad news for you bad news uh-huh. i'm just looking at the numbers of the racial demographic of mcdonald's and mm-hmm. uh african-american was number numero uno uh followed closely by caucasians well not really closely actually uh asian right after that but bursting through pushing the black man aside once again is the hispanic american community number one mcdonald's consumer now that make that makes sense yeah but it's interesting because because mcdonald's has been stigmatized i will say that but mcdonald's is smart enough to have other well, when you oh, I mean, if you turn on if, if you turn on local television, <laughs> yeah, okay, you're gonna make a drug. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead with the drug reference. You're right. Well, one spot gets too hot. You say you got to open up another drug spot. You well, know what I'm saying? Of course. So, <laughs> uh, no, they're, no, they're fantastic at selling the drugs. And it's, right, what's so even better? As- you know what's you know what's better about the McDonald's drug cartel? Unlike uh, the street drugs. 
McDonald's actually gives you a career path. Well, it's out of the drug industry. I mean, yeah. Like- oh, yeah. No, it's a real. It's a real. I know a, a, an owner operator here in in Austin, and they own I think twelve or thirteen McDonald's, and they're very proud of their uh, of their educational uh, program, which is not a central McDonald's thing. These uh, most of these McDonald's are owner operated, so it's local. But they're very proud. They 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 give people a path to become a manager within McDonald's, so you can move up. You know with the uh, Unlike you know, you don't have to kill anybody on the way. I guess what I'm saying, except the customer. Wait, wait. <laughs> Keep right. killing the customer, and you're good to go. And that's this. Is, that's why I made the drug analogy. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at a Jay Z, and you look at a McDonald's CEO, I mean, because I think for a long time McDonald's had a black CEO. That's right. What is the real difference between them? And I'm, I'm not, and I'm not judging on which side you're standing on, but is it just a black successful black man that was selling a product that was going to be sold anyway and you should celebrate them or how dare how could you sell this product that you know was killing your own kind and should they be condemned well that, uh, good question. Is that, uh, that's there's good, not that's, an answer to it. No, I'm there's not an answer. There's not an answer. Yeah, it was uh Donald Thompson was the CEO. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because uh, he was uh, he he made his way up. I mean, I was familiar with his story. I couldn't remember his name because uh, he he was one of the people that came up with a lot of the automation. Yeah, north for, of, north of Grumman. Uh, let's see. He was an electrical engineer. That's how he started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's why I was familiar with him. And he made a lot of the machinery that was able to make the processed food a lot more efficiently but uh here's his most important job ceo is one thing but mm-hmm. he was also before he became ceo he was chief brand officer that's what you're talking about right here you want that dre. brand you want that <laughs> dre 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 didn't get the chief brand officer of the gig but yeah exactly i mean exactly. he probably started on that path though yeah. i mean like yeah. how do you <laughs> he'll never make it they won't let him in the series well, one person that uh, didn't have a Dre in the room when they ran this next ad was Burger King with Mary J. Blige. Exciting things are happening at Burger King. Okay, stop. Wrong right there. Wrong voice. Wrong voiceover. I could critique this in the meeting right away. You want to target black people? Get rid of that voice. Right off the bat, it's wrong. Exciting things are happening at Burger King. Welcome to Burger King. Uh, what's in those new chicken snack wraps? What's in the new chicken snack? What's in the snack? new chicken wraps? Mary? Holy shit, we should do this meeting, uh, Mo. It's like, all right, Mo, 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 Mo. Hey, Dre. I'm going to call you Dre. Hey, Dre. Right, okay. Hey, Dre. Hey, Dre. Uh, what do you think? Should we just push some chicken? Doesn't that always work? Just pushing the chicken? Oh, well, you know, chicken is a staple. Uh, but how are we going to peddle this new uh, fried um, <laughs> a concoction that we came up with? What are we going to do, Dre? <laughs> We need some star power, and uh, you know I'm I'm friends with uh. Who you got? Who uh, got Mary friends? Lodge, and she's DM me. So, no way. Uh, maybe I can reach out to her. What a great idea! What's in the new What's chicken? What's in the new chicken wraps? Mary. Crispy chicken, fresh lettuce, three cheeses, fresh dressing wrapped up in nuts. All right, whose whose idea was the 1989 bit with the music? Did not anyone have a hip track we could use? Dre, what what, what went wrong? Uh, the, 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 the demographics in the, the, in the test said that this was going to be great. Uh, Crispy chicken, fresh lettuce, three cheeses, fresh dressing, 
the new chicken snack wraps. Come and get it at Burger King. Chicken snap wraps? Yes, chicken snack wrap. Oh, snack wraps. It doesn't sound it like a. Yeah, I don't think wraps work in the uh, for black uh, well, food, do they? Hit, hit, well, this was peddled to be healthy because you know if it's a wrap. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's a healthy wrap. Yes, wrap equals healthy. Exactly. Min- I forgot about that. Wrap, wrap equals minus bread, which equals healthy. I mean, that's the that's the, the math behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. It don't care what we put inside the wrap. It's like, it's a wrap. So it's got to be healthier, right? But Mary almost got canceled over this. I mean, I kind of, I remember, yeah, I remember some, some controversy over this. I do. Oh, this was huge. Like, why is Mary singing about chicken like that? I mean, she wasn't, I mean, it it, it made it to the TMZ cycle. So yeah, I heard the, the, the TMZ boom, boom, boom. Right, I left it in there yeah. so you know yeah. that it reached to that point where they actually went and dug up the commercial and put it out there for people to so, see. So, where did it? Where did the controversy start? Black Twitter, Facebook. Uh, where did it start? Uh, uh, probably online. I mean, this is a time when on, uh, online, uh, like, why is Mary singing like singing about chicken like that? <laughs> where <clears throat> this is where Burger King messed up at. Now, McDonald's in those last first two commercials we played, we had black people singing about chicken. No problem. Mm -hmm. When you put one of our beloved soul singers in that spotlight singing about it, it's whoa, like, no. (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. Let me let me see if I understand this. So just having a song, uh, the the problem is Mary J. Blige is is an institution. She goes way above and beyond. And uh, in fact, I think artistically, I think it was very bad that she did that. It, that's what I'm saying. It was just, if it was a run of the mill uh, session singer that was singing this, it wouldn't have, I mean, we, said, we heard him adult that was singing about chicken biscuits. But is, 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 that, is that part of, piece. yeah, yes. Is it, but is it part of the, a sellout? Is it a sellout thing as well? Or is it just purely... It cut so many different ways. Mm. One, you took, like you said, she's an institution. Mm-hmm. You got one of our institutions up here singing about chicken snack wraps, <laughs> and she put her heart and soul in it. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, you have a black woman singing about chicken, <laughs> which, <laughs> depending on how it's spent, like I said, is is it it just landed wrong. And three. I wouldn't be surprised if McDonald's caused the outrage to, to shoot down. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Hello. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. If I'm in that room, I am I'm like, man, y'all see, I'm dragging. Hey, <laughs> we, need, you know we need to get the Al Sharpness of the, and on the internet. You're saying that. Yeah, we got to get them. Activate, activate, activate. Right. Because we've seen this before with our Chick-fil-A uh, episode and the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yep. That, you know, you can easily get people motivated and the influencers and get them out there up in the uprage and McDonald's sits back and rubs their hands. Why wouldn't I do that? So I say all that to say that we took Big Mama off the hook. And we know the real culprit here peddling the stuff that's making black people more susceptible to diseases like the coronavirus uh, because they have. Uh, comorbidities, mm-hmm. which is the term I probably never use again. Uh, but they have diabetes, obesity, um, high blood pressure. Yeah. So I wanted to say that 
But in my digging, I unearthed an unaired Burger King commercial from Mary J. Blige. Exciting things are happening at Burger King. Good game, man. Yeah. Hey, you want to go down to Burger King and try one of those new crispy chicken wraps? What's in a crispy chicken wrap? What's in a new crispy? What's in the new crispy chicken wrap? Mary. Crispy chicken tastes so good after smoking up a blunt. Taking a 40 ounce of Kool-Aid. If you feel what I'm saying, then you'll go to Burger King. Watermelon. Baby mama. <laughs> the new chicken snack wrap. Are you kidding me? We take food stamps. No. Straight. No, no, no. That's bullshit. That's not. That's no, no, no. That's bullshit. No. I'm like, wait a minute. They're throwing the Kool Aid in there, and then yeah. they take food stamps. I told you they took food. I told you I took my EBT card and my baby well, mama. <laughs> this was satire again, but I, I always like to wrap the show up on a joke and a light, mo- a light mood, lighten the mood. But hopefully, oh. this reflection on this topic made me look at my health. You know, um, just by the numbers, I only got like 15 years left, bro. So, <laughs> nah, what, saying, what is that supposed to start thinking about when you hit 40? Like, damn. I only got 15 years. I mean, just by, I mean, I 15 think years like, left like, for what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm at that mark. I'm 55. What am I going to keel over? Well, if you're a black man. <laughs> is that serious? Seriously? Is, is the life no, expectancy like, of a I black man? I like 65. I mean, six, I mean, it depends on how you count it. 65, 55. Health. I mean, what you, uh, how you eat. I'm not the healthiest person, but I do, do uh monitor what I watch, but even like doing this show, like yogurt, I thought I was doing good with yogurt and oatmeal. Mm. Uh, I, obviously mm. not. So I mean, I, I, I'm saying all this to say, hopefully this show, we can push people to push the real agenda, not these manufacturers. We have we got real we got real problems we can really address. There's real stuff to talk about. about yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the word I like to do, use there are health tangibles. It would say if you really come up with, <laughs> yeah, up with yeah, that would be good. Me, a health I, tangible, I like it. Right, Shut, t- come up with an app to tell me if this is a good choice or not. I think they had one before like that, but make it widespread. Uh, a lot of people just don't know what to eat. I think Jerome Adams should double down. I really do. I think he should double down and say, you know what? Yeah, we got this problem, and we really need to do something about it, and I can't believe that I got all kinds of crap about it, and uh, let's start a program, an educational program, or, yeah, as you say, an app, whatever it is. It could be beneficial for every segment of America, but in Mm -hmm. his case, it would be a perfect, I think he should double down. I think it would be great if he did that, and he would put a couple people in their place, too, like, yeah, we got some issues here. And let's not forget, we had a first lady for eight years whose uh, number one uh, initiative was healthy school lunches and where did that go yeah but i mean i digress but i'm just saying you can really help people here stop with the fear mongering shut these companies down that target i mean it's clear clear as day i mean we of course it took china (laughs) global television network to tell us this but (laughs) (laughs) that's not lost on me either but yeah i mean let's uh let's hold the left to do away with these talking points of healthy at any size, bull crap. Uh, obesity is a real problem. Make them come to the table with health tangibles to say this is how we're going to reduce 
uh, high blood pressure in the next next four years. We can get the number down to this. We can get diabetes down to this just by educating people. This concludes episode 34 of MoFax with Adam Curry. Um, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. We hope you learned something. I always learn something when we uh, when we do this show. Looking forward to the next one. It's value for value. So if you'd like to help produce this, all you have to do is go to MoFax.com. Uh, consider a donation. Anything that you feel the val- represents the value of what you've heard. And you can go directly to the donation page at MoFundMe.com. M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And I look forward to talking to you next week, Mo. All right. Talk to you later, Adam. And we'll see you there, everybody. Take care of yourself. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands played a tambourine so well. Grandma's hands out a warning she'd say Billy don't you run so fast might fall on a piece of glass might be snakes there in that grass grandma's hand grandma's hand soothe the local unwed mother grandma's hand used to ache sometimes and swell Grandma's hand used to lift her face and tell her she'd say, Baby, Grandma, understand that you really love that man. Put yourself in Jesus' hands, Grandma's hand. Grandma's hand used to hand me a piece of candy. Grandma's hand me up each time I fell. Grandma's hand, boy, they really came in a handy. She'd say, Matty, don't you whip that boy. What you want to spank him for? He didn't drop no apple core, but I don't have grandma anymore. If I get to heaven, I'll look for grandma's hand.